There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy, there'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see. Abrams is going to publish my book, my photo essays about the wasteland. Because that's the only thing I'm really doing to fall out right now. Just go around taking pictures, the screenshots of the game. It's a beautiful game. Yeah. There are some gorgeous vistas. The game barely works right, but what it like even when it's not working right, it's still pretty. I'm right now like on a bridge. It's all bombed out. There's like the Iron Giant. Wait, is there like a figure statue on the horizon? Like I'm near. There are some. I'm walking towards the USS Constitution. And there's something that almost looks like a, like the Iron Giant off in the distance. It's really weird. I'm like heading. Bill, I have, I have like 125 hours in the game, and I have not yet explored the. Okay. USS Constitution. So this is the thing. I was I was playing while well, talking to Daniel Grumpy Turtle yesterday, and we were talking about how much have we played of this game because he's barely touched it, and I, I I like I thought I had barely touched it. Something's desperately wrong with my copy of the game because I checked my save file to see how much time I've played. According to my save file, I have played two days and five hours of this game. So that's 48 plus five. I've played over like like 55 hours of this game. And that's impossible because I only put 99 hours into Fallout 3. And I did everything you could do in that game. I haven't done anything. There must have been like, I must have accidentally left my PlayStation on for like a day and a half or something. Cause I'm like, I'll believe it, but this game has a lot of busy work. I'm, I'm, I'm literally, I'm only like level like, like 14 or something too. It's not like I'm even like, uh -huh. you know, and I've done like a couple quests. I, like the only plot stuff I've done is like, I went to Diamond City and I talked to a couple people, but I still like, I haven't done any of the main actual quest. I've maybe done like, like at the most, like half a dozen side quests. And even then, well, you just described the first about sixty hours of my game. <laughs> I, I know technically, yeah, but like, still, like, that's not unless this game was like, like four times bigger than Fallout Three. Something's desperately wrong with with my save counter. And that's the other thing. Yeah, right now, um, I've lost Piper. She's disappeared. I'm overburdened. And now there's a bug on my screen where I can't get rid of the uh, cross key commands on the UI from for four Piper. So. Uh, on my screen, wherever I go, there's like the like tell Piper to go here button, and I do that, and I can hear her voice saying, "Right up, right, right, right on you, Chief," and, but she's nowhere to be found. She's she's like nowhere. So, so I if hear... you hit the circle button to back out, it doesn't back out. Yep. Or if I tap the uh, the the the, the touchpad on the PS4 controller, that doesn't work either. So yeah, I'm having kind of a weird time in Fallout Four. Um, Man, it's so weird that you keep having these issues. Because, like I said, I'm I am well. I, I am rapidly. I think I may have hit the six day mark of actual gameplay. Yeah, and I just keep and, on. Uh, yeah, I have not hit like a single bug of note mm -hmm. in that whole time. And most people I, I know I've talked crazy. to have had like big fucked up. But I know a couple people right now are just like setting the game aside until they just fix it more so yeah of i know about 10 people playing fallout right now and you are the only person who has talked about any issues of note oh, is it, this weird. is crazy to me i don't know i don't know if it's if maybe it's just like how you play and like how you interact with it versus all i do is I walk around and i don't or... even talk to anybody i just explore well, no, no, no. no i'm not i don't mean that in like a oh, i know i know but it's way, not like i'm doing it's... like even because you know because i tend to play video games like an idiot 
And even, but Fallout 4, I'm not being, like, going totally crazy, like, you know, I'm not, like, trying to break the game like it might other games. I've just been walking, wait, who's Kessler? Can I talk to Kessler? I'm sorry, I'm actually playing right now as we're recording. Um, yeah, Bill, you should stop. Hey, you know what? You should stop. You should turn <laughs> off your game. Okay. Actually, and I can say this. Hey, everybody, did you know that this is the Boy Hattie podcast? This is our weekly podcast where we talk about pop culture detritus and probably, I apologize, Fallout for the next indefinite well, future, I, at least for I, me. I just met Kessler. I have to take a picture of her because I'm taking pictures of everybody for my photo essay book for abrams for my hardcover follow for photo essay book hopefully being published sometime next year that's bill i'm annie uh i'm the one who loves fallout and is having a really good time with it and bill's the one who's what is broken. constantly <laughs> wrestling with it like i said it's still like i said it's not like fallout 3 that like it's kind of like a little bit of a disappointment there and mixed with like again the same bugs from fallout 3 i'm like oh my god guys yeah. oh boy it's funny it's It's like it's like you're speaking another language to me though it was interesting i saw a a friend of mine was asking me you know like if she would like fallout 4 and i was talking to her about it and i was thinking about it and i told her yeah you should totally try it you should give it a shot and the more i thought about it the more i'm like man this game is so sometimes food like i've heard this game uh criticized a lot for being too like trying to go too mainstream, trying to be too accessible, which just cracks me up because I find this game to be inscrutable and alienating. I keep a lot, <laughs> That's the thing. Like, again, because my game claims that I've played it for, like, 55 hours, I have not, like, even messed with, like... Was it... Like, I hear a lot of people complaining that the leveling up system has been so streamlined that, like, they, like to make it more accessible that, like, they've lost a lot of the customization that was in Fallout 3. I haven't even noticed that yet, because, like I said, I'm just walking around doing, like, I'm yeah. not even actually doing anything. I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not even taking advantage of, like, the more granular parts of this game enough to even notice that. But, I don't know, yeah. Yeah, I haven't, uh, I, I've liked how they've refined the leveling system, personally. It's much more straightforward and much less arcane, and you can kind of plan out your character a little bit. Although you're around. kind of the wrong person to talk to in terms of, like, objective opinions about Fallout 4, because you, you, this is so much, like, your home turf of stuff, like, yeah. Um, Bill, I'm, I'm talking about the leveling system, though. That's not something that I am emotionally attached oh, to. Yeah, and if I were, it's I would feel the opposite because they have changed everything. They have simplified it. They have boiled it down. Yeah. It's uh, I find it more accessible as someone who is not a power gamer. Yeah. As someone who is just like uh, wants to be play on baby mode forever. I like that I can plot out, oh, I want to get this perk, so I should put points in this uh, attribute so that I can unlock it so I can do these things. It's much more navigable in that sense. Bunker Hill. All I need to find is a single container I can throw my junk into so I can fucking uh, fly back to Sanctuary and see if Piper magically appears when I teleport. Uh, How you doing, Annie? Uh, I'm doing great. My poor girl has been very, very sick. She, uh, uh, her birthday was on Thanksgiving this year, and, uh, she, before that, she had food poisoning. She was sick long enough to make, or, excuse me, she was well long enough to make Thanksgiving dinner, and then she immediately got a cold. Yeah, what'd you guys do for so Thanksgiving been... dinner? Because you guys do, like, like, you don't guys, you guys don't do, like, the big bone and turkey, right? You guys do, like, the hot lunch? 
No, yeah, we we never we never do the bone and turkey, especially not because Foley is feeling under the weather this year. We'll just do a we'll still do a turkey dinner. Um, Foley will um, get turkey uh, breast and uh, basically uh, chop it up and uh, cook it in uh, caramelized onion and gravy oh, and serve so it over good. her sinful mashed potatoes. And then when we're all said and done, she just dumps it all in a casserole. Everything that we made just goes oh, in a casserole. Oh, so good. That sounds. And I am about to eat the last section of the casserole today so i've been working my way through <laughs> thanksgiving oh man what did i do i bought a man have you ever been to whole foods Mm-hmm. what do you think mm-hmm. about whole foods because i went to whole foods for the first time this week whole foods is interesting because it is a very portland sort of hippy dippy store but it started in texas yeah it is so it is so portlandy because it, it's so Everything there is all natural. Like, you, you think about Trader Joe's, and, like, this is even more... It's more Trader Joe's than even Trader Joe's. Whereas uh, Trader Joe's at least tries to pretend to be a bohemian. Uh, Whole Foods yeah. is, like, the... Is 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 the Fraser Crane of food stores. The Fraser, for, you know, from, from Cheers and from the show Fraser. This is where you go for green salad and scrambled eggs. <laughs> That's that's exactly. I feel that is like the Texas influence. Really? It's like if we're gonna make, well, it's like that whole thing where it's like if you're gonna be this sort of natural and organic, it has to be elitist and expensive feeling because that's, that's what it is. Something that is of value and feels worth it, as opposed to like an earnest hippie in a food. Cart, I went to Whole Foods know? because they're the only place in town where you can get Mary's turkeys. And the only thing, the only reason I care about Mary's turkeys is because uh, my housemate he gets uh, a subscription to a cooking magazine called Cooks Illustrated, which is actually a really good uh, magazine. It's the magazine of have you, yeah. I don't know if anyone's watched this at home, but I guess it's a TV show, uh, America's Test Kitchen, where they do. We literally talked about it last. Did week. we? I can't remember, but it's good. But yeah. they have a good. Uh, well, that's right, because we talked about how the founder of. America's Test Kitchen and Cooks Illustrated, he left the company, I guess, because a new evil CEO took over. Uh, kind of like, I guess, how National Geographic is evil now, I guess? Um, but anyway, so Cooks Illustrated, they have this very specific recipe for, uh, like, a heritage Thanksgiving turkey, where uh, this company called Mary's, which is based in California, I guess, um, they have heritage turkeys, which I guess heritage turkeys... The reason they're called heritage turkeys is because they're descended from like the fir- like the first turkeys the pilgrims ate or something like that. Like they're, they're like whereas most I guess like butterball turkeys and store bought normal turkeys in America have been genetically engineered to be what they are. These turkeys are still like descent. They're of the ancient line of the elves that goes back to like pilgrim times, I guess. And uh, not only that, but this Mary's place also lets the turkeys kind of be free range. Like they actually get to grow to be older, so their meat is like more tender and more flavorful. And oh yeah, it's essentially supposed to be like the closest you can get these days to an approximation of what the pilgrims ate. Like in terms of natural, like free roaming turkeys. Um, well, I guess the actual closest would be just to go out and shoot a fucking wild turkey. But this is, if you're not going to do that, I guess this is the closest thing you can do. So, yeah, I went to Whole Foods, um, and I, bought, I spent $100 on a turkey. I was about to say, how much does this shit, it was? It was an 18-pound turkey, though. At least it was a big yeah. fucking turkey. It was a fresh turkey, so I don't have to def- uh, defrost it or anything like that. And that... What? I, how much is like a normal turkey? Is it like... Because it isn't like for like 40 bucks or 30 bucks for like a big frozen butterball or something like that. 
I have no point of reference, but turkeys ain't cheap. Uh, yeah, I'll turkeys can be because they can be so fucking big. Uh, so and also, it's like it's literally the one time of year that they can sell a whole turkey. Well, exactly. So they, so they kind of like yeah, um, kind of chintzy a little bit. Uh, so the only thing though, the only difference about this turkey is it had a slight like a turkey funk to it. Like there's this kind of gamey slight. Not it wasn't bad though, but it was kind of like a smell gamey taste to it that they were like okay actually i guess this actually tastes like turkey it's not just like because especially my favorite part of the turkey is the breast meat which is just the white doesn't really taste like anything aside from like maybe the crispy skin or like the gravy you put on it turkey breast is really just a platform a delivery device for everything else that you're eating on your thanksgiving day plate um but this actually had a kind of a taste of itself it wasn't bad but it was definitely a little bit different but in the end it was barely it was not like 50 dollars more than an average turkey worth of different different tasting flavor but yeah no uh dylan and katie came over dylan made a chocolate pudding pie which is a mudgeon family tradition that she decided to uh, indulge me in because uh, usually the Mudron family chocolate pudding pie is just you get like a dollar pre-made like Keebler graham cracker crust from whatever. Not, maybe even if it's a generic brand, you get that from the supermarket. You get a, like a, like a fifty-eight cent pack of uh, Jello pudding instant mix, and you get like yeah. a dollar thing of Cool Whip. So it's a three dollar pie essentially. But she did her fancy thing where she made a homemade crust where she you know took like. Uh, hand crushed a bunch of graham crackers and made fancy expensive pudding and got like real whipped cream and put that on top it was fucking good and it was no we had like a more typical thanksgiving because we had the big turkey and stuffing yeah. we had stovetop nice got go with fucking stovetop and you say you didn't actually stuff the chicken with stuffing no no i man that fucking wild turkey when i fucking stuffed that shit with aromatics i've stuffed it with like whole heads of garlic oh and the best thing they'll you know what the only real reason i really splurged on the turkey wasn't so much for the turkey itself on thanksgiving day it was for the turkey soup afterwards and that's essentially why i got such a big turkey too because i was able to send katie and dylan home with a big bag there's a black bag full of turkey meat and still had a shitload of turkey meat left over for uh stew the next day and that's the the aside from the quality of the meat um it's nice to have a giant turkey carcass because i do the whole like turkey stock thing where i'll, I'll boil the carcass for like two hours and just make you know actual yeah. homebrewed stock and man i took those aromatics from inside the turkey and like uh, when i roasted the turkey i also laced the pan with like a bunch of potatoes and other vegetables and stuff and threw all that stuff into the pan into the into the stewing pot for the carcass for the for the stock and man that shit came out fucking good because you had, like, roast garlic, <laughs> roast potato, all the turkey fat, and essentially I took all of Thanksgiving and dumped it into a pot and boiled it down into its yep. essence. And it's so fucking good. I made homemade noodles and us. Oh, that $100 turkey paid for it. Uh, it's, oh, my God. It's so good. That sounds fucking I'll have amazing. some of that as soon as we're done recording. It was fucking delicious. <laughs> That was my Thanksgiving, the one, yeah. The one exciting thing that happened on Thanksgiving is we did have our dear friends Brenna and Chase come over, Uh-oh. and uh, uh, Brenna asked, what can I make for, what can I bring for dinner? And Foley's like, oh, I've got it all pretty much handled, but if you want to buy a cheese ball, you're more than welcome to. A cheese Brenna, ball? Be- Foley loves cheese balls. That's actually her, like the, the her favorite Like the port wine cheese balls you get from, like, Swiss Colony? Not that fancy, my friend. It's usually she just gets a sharp cheddar or whatever is at the grocery store. Yeah, but like they're the but, cheese uh, balls with like nuts embedded on the outside, right? Yeah, yeah, that is what a cheese ball Aww. is. That's correct. And uh, so Brenna made cheese balls, which was really? amazing. That- she made yeah. 
She made one uh, that was a sharp cheddar, one that was a sweeter cheese, and then she shaped them like turkeys. What? <laughs> it was Aww. magical. That's my friend Brenna all over. She's good egg. It was really good. How too, did, she, but, did everyone uh, yeah. get a cheese ball, or was there one big cheese ball? Well, the intention usually a cheese ball is something that a number of people share. That's what I'm saying. But, but you're talking about multiple turkeys. It sounds like. Yeah, there were like th- Brenna made one big turkey, two small turkeys, and then Foley had two cheese logs that she had just bought in just in case. And so we we had an abundance of cheese. Man, yeah, day. that is a Thanksgiving not for the lactose intolerant. Um, what did you guys watch, no, sir? Uh, we wound up watching The Great Muppet Caper. Oh, yeah, really? We just started talking about Muppets oh, because the apparently... the finest of uh, Muppet films, too. <laughs> uh, we started talking about, uh, uh, before she came over, Brenna watched... Gosh, now I'm forgetting what it's called. It's called, like, Gobble Creek or something, which is Oh, a, is this the new Jim Henson Turkey Creek or whatever the hell it's called? Turkey Forest yeah, or something yeah. like that? Yeah, and Isn't it ludicrous? It, it is narrated by Ludacris, yes. <laughs> I saw people posting photos, and everyone was like, is that a Photoshop? Is that Ludacris hanging out? Like, it was like, tur- is it tur- like Turkey Hollow? I think that's what it's called. Yes, yeah. that's what it's called. So she, yeah. what'd she think of it? She thought it was a very authentic TV special. Oh, okay, Because <laughs> I guess supposedly, well, uh, Jim Henson Co- Company says this about everything they do, but I guess it's from an idea of Jim Henson, Henson had, like, right before he died or something like that. Well, apparently he wrote the script for oh, yeah, okay, the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. By wrote the script, he told his he told his like a cousin once. So he's like, you know, I might do something about turkey someday. And they're like, oh yeah, okay, well yeah, let's pretend he wrote a script about. It. But she talking about that made us talk about Muppets. And so I'm like, well, we're watching the Great Muppet Caper. Ah, uh, what'd you think? I love the Great Muppet Caper. It was one of my favorite Muppet movies when I was a kid. Oh yeah, it's it's still my favorite. I remember seeing that in the theaters. And man, it's worth it just even for gro- uh, uh, for uh, fucking Gonzo throwing himself in front of the cabs to hail the cabs, <laughs> yeah. the Happiness Hotel crew. What is your favorite Muppet movie? Um, I have I, I love uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. I think that may be one of my favorites. Um, but uh, yeah, Mupp- Great Muppet Caper was definitely my favorite when I was a wee bairn. Oh, okay, what that has that changed? It's a really great movie. What's funny Are though? You just watching being nice it- to me. You're, you're you're dodging the question. Bill, I really like. I'm saying it was one of my. You're saying things. you like it, but that's like someone saying, "Will you date me?" And you're like, "I like you as a friend." Bill, I don't know. I found uh, the Great Muppet Caper unplayably buggy at times, so it's hard <laughs> for me to talk about objectively. Piper was not in it. Oh, speaking of which, I just no. fast traveled the sanctuary, and Piper showed up again. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's that's my pro tip. Also, it looks like um, there's a Brahmin checking my mail at my bombed out house. Okay, I I'm love. Back. I'll come home. I'll find Brahmin on the roof. I'll find Brahmin in my living room. Annie, it's so I'm good. back to loving this game again. Now that Piper came <laughs> back, and there's like there's a Brahmin, double headed Brahmin checking my, my my mailbox. It's fucking. Hilarious. Um, but uh, I love the Great Muppet Caper. It, there are some. Th- there's just things that I really love. Like I never. There are things that I I, have, I haven't. I don't know if I've seen it in, in easily a decade. And uh, it's funny as an adult to watch it and catch little things like. Um, <sighs> Uh, one that Diana Rigg has an inexplicably American brother. Oh Two, yeah, I love that. His office, like when you go, when you see the the layout of their building, his office door actually under his name it says like um, irascible or like irresponsible parasite. Yeah. is his job title. <laughs> Just so good. I want that on my. Fucking Charles Grodin in um, that movie. Yeah. He's so good in that movie. He has such a good time. Uh, but uh, what was really interesting is watching it as an adult. 
I it's funny because uh, I realize that the punchline is that Miss Piggy thinks that she can be a model, thinks that she's the most beautiful woman in the room, and all this. And of course, the joke is that she's not; it's that she's a pig. But now, I, I, now I think about it, and I'm like, man, I totally bought that when in I was that a kid. movie. Like, is course. that like? So yeah, I thought even in the, within the reality of that movie, she's still supposed to be like a beautiful. Because it's it's not she's not like propped up as a fake fashion star, right? Well, she, she's faking she, to be a fashion designer, though. She is. Diana Rigg dismisses her for various reasons, but none of them are related to her beauty. But what I'm saying is that the movie, like the world of Muppets, yeah. treat allows Miss Piggy to be beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's and it's a joke. You're talking about like, like it's I a meta joke because yeah, within joke. the reality of the movie, they are, they, 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 she it could be possible for her to be a, a fashion model. But it's it just it, it's fun. It was a weird realization yeah. as an adult to realize that this woman who I thought was like this crazy, like, I mean, she's obviously self-absorbed yeah. and and all these other things. I'm like, oh my god, it's a joke that she's a pig. Yeah, no, it was kind whole... of a weird consciousness raising. And moment. the fact that the, all the humans recognize that she's a pig, but they're like, oh, she just happens to be a pig with with a great skill set. Also, that movie is one of my favorite Muppet movies because it has the joke where Fozzie and uh, Kermit are identical. I was about twins. to say, and actually, when you see, was it you see a photo of their father who worked? Yes, <laughs> that is one of the most horrifying things ever in a Muppet movie. When you see what their father looked like, <laughs> I do. It's such a good joke. And, well, that also leads into the great Muppet thing where they have no problem just coming up with a whole new origin story for the Muppets every goddamn movie. Because like the what the in the Muppets take Manhattan. And they're they, they're just graduate what they're graduating from like theatrical college together yeah uh, you yeah. know of course they all meet for the first time in the Muppet movie but yeah no I love how flexible the the uh, Muppet reality is where it really doesn't matter what their backstories are as long as like you're just hanging out well, with them. Um, the vibe of every Muppet movie is that it is Kermit the Frog starring in a movie. You yeah, know? that too. It's yeah, like, it's always kind of like a thinly veiled production that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's like every, I mean, in, in Great Muppet Caper, it literally opens and ends with a song about, the about how like, they're making a movie. Watch. <laughs> I remember seeing that in <laughs> theater as a kid, thinking, because that was kind of reality bending. <laughs> As because like I saw that movie, that movie came out was like when I was like six or something like that, and like they're singing to you about the movie that you're about to watch, and then they're singing about how everything came together at the end. It was just a nice reassuring thing, of like <laughs> yeah, the Muppets are in on the joke. They're talking to you directly. They're not just entertaining you, but they're saying hey, we hope you liked our movie that we just made for you. It's like yeah, yeah fucking a. Um, apparently it was one of the only Muppet movies that Jim Henson actually directed himself. Yeah, because he, yeah, yeah, because I think he did Muppet movie, Caper, and maybe Manhattan, and I think everything else he ever was done by other people. But one thing that, uh, it was interesting because my friends Brennan and Chase are both film buffs and camera buffs, and they noticed that in every shot in the movie where there could be glass, there is no glass. Like, cars have no windshields. Huh. Windows don't have glass. Like it's it's an interesting thing that uh, they're like they're oh it's it's not for this technical reason that the 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 director of photography didn't want to deal with polarization or anything like that. But it's again another weird, awesome artificial choice. Yeah. 
Like one of those things where well, um, they could have uh, maybe like, done that so you don't have reflections of the camera crew and stuff like that. Well, exactly. But, um, there, there are lots of reasons, but uh, uh, it, it, but it kind of adds to that worldview on top of that. And uh, I, I love those little things like uh, Gonzo's camera is, has a flash bulb on it, but the flash bulb is a standard A nineteen light bulb. Yeah, it's like, not it's like a, a flash bulb. Flash bulb. Light bulb. Yeah. God, it's just there's just so many good. I dumb- love. The two evil ladies who hang out with Charles Grodin are also... Three. Is it three? And they're also fashion mm-hmm. models. And you know what? It didn't mm-hmm. take me... It took me forever to find out that, like, Charles Grodin... Because there's the whole scene at the dinner restaurant, the supper club, where mm-hmm. Charles Grodin... Does he... Is that where he steals... You know, he steals the, the jewels off the neck of his sister... And mm-hmm. he's manipulating Miss Piggy, but, like, it didn't take me until I was, like, way older to realize that he was manipulating Miss Piggy. I thought he was just a mean guy. I didn't realize he was, like, framing her necessarily. But then you yeah, also yeah. get that scene where Miss Piggy crawls outside of a mansion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great Muppet Caper is a good fucking movie. And that was, like, my first exposure to England as a kid. So part of me, when, like, Maxwell Motley, when she flew over here, I was half expecting her to be, like, have to be thrown out of the belly of an airship, too. Like the Muppets were. And, like, then they land in the water and there's a guy talking to them. And then there's the guy who works... The people who work at the Happiness Hotel are weird and then they sing, do a sang, song and dance number. And then Janice, she left the thing in her other jeans. And then she says she's naked too. And then the bed goes up and the Muppets get eaten by the bed. Welcome to the Boy Hattie podcast where Bill has a total recall. (laughs) Then they they order a pizza when they're trying to get the baseball diamond glove back. And then Animal eats through the bars. And then they play baseball. One of my favorite favorite jokes is that the three fabulous models... That are, um, that are, uh... Are they threatened uh, by Miss Piggy's beauty? <laughs> well, I can't remember if that's part of it. I don't think it is. I always, that's but, how I interpreted that. Uh, 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 what I really like about them is that they're these beautiful, fabulous models, but the relationship between them and Nikki Holiday is never even remotely sexual or romantic. Yeah, they're hanging out just because they're hanging out. Like, they're just kind of like... Just- they're fabulous villains. It's so good. <laughs> exactly. And a great joke that uh, Brenda said that they have like name tags at some point in the movie or it's like part of their outfit. But uh, during the credits, I saw credits for three characters, Marla, Carla, and Darla. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is so stupid. <laughs> that movie is so divinely, so willingly stupid. <laughs> It is it is the kid in the back of the class is going dur Oh boy. Man, so the Muppet anyway, Caper. Holy shit. Oh it's really, just, really good. I mean I can throw on the Muppet Caper. We can just do a live commentary on the Muppet Caper right now. <laughs> it's just it's just so it's such when a they dumb, all help, fun movie. When they help Kermit get ready for his date at the supper club and then they drive him there and they're in the big electric mayhem's truck. And like, oh my god, that movie. I felt kind of bad because after I started it, I realized Foley wasn't really feeling it. And I had this total, like suddenly total, like overwhelming feeling of what a terrible break our relationship is for her. Because here she had just made, she's just barely over food poisoning. Yeah. She's still not feeling 100%. She had made Thanksgiving oh dinner on her birthday. Oh, yeah. And I made her, I made her watch a Muppet movie. <laughs> oh, oh man, she must have been really sick if she couldn't be done with the Muppet caper. 
<laughs> well, you know, I, the Muppets, you have to really, I think, speak the Muppets from childhood yeah. to have an emotional attachment to the Muppets. Yeah. And if you don't have that, then it's not always a place you're in, you yeah. know? Yeah. And also you have to be in, like, a mental state for the Muppets, I can't too. imagine how like... it must be trying to get into the Muppets if you didn't grow up with the Muppets. Seriously, I think it'd be impossible. Because, I mean, the Muppet, like, those Muppet movies really inform so much of, like, what I think of just comedy in general. Just, like, they were mm-hmm. such a formative thing to me that, like, yeah, I never thought about that before. Yeah. That is weird. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. <laughs> what did I... But anyway, it, it, norm- traditionally our Thanksgiving movie is The Lion in Winter. Um, Which I still haven't but, seen. Uh, you haven't seen the Lion I'm in Winter? I'm contemplating doing that for the uh, for a Tardy the Party podcast at dot com at partytardypodcast.com. <laughs> Has Daniel seen Tardy the Party? Well, we have to talk about that. I don't know. He's, he's probably seen that because he's way more cultured than or I am. Or not Tardy the Party. Oh, speaking uh, of which, <laughs> I'm going to spoil Tardy the Party podcast. What I do this week, I watched Pirates of Penzance this week. Did you know? Have you ever seen that? Holy shit, are you joking? Wait, did you watch the the one that's the filmed version of the stage production with, like, uh, uh, Kevin Klein and Angela Lansbury? What do you think? Of course. Okay, good. That is one of my favorite movies on Earth. Tune in. It is one of my favorite Tune in in two weeks of the Tardy of the Party podcast to find out what I thought about that movie. Uh, I have the, uh, uh, the, uh, the audio, the, uh, excuse me, the stage recording, uh, album of that performance, if you Was like that, it. okay, so, I was um, wondering if they had actually done, like, a stage production and then they just happened to turn it, turn it into a film, or if that was a cast they just got exactly. together for that film. Oh, okay. No, it was, it was on stage, and that's one of the reasons why the movie, one of the things that I love about that movie is it is very deliberately stage-like. Oh, it's like, super, it looks well, staged. I, in my notes for Tardy the Potty Pot, what's i can't even pronounce my own podcast correctly retardypodcast.com uh for my notes in that i kept on joking about how it has the production values of a muppet show sketch yes yeah, like it's very yeah. it's pretty much just on there's essentially two sets for the whole movie uh one set for the act one and one set for the act two and yeah it is very theatrical like i saw that for way. the first time so uh, I don't miss having cable in my life because cable is awful and it is something that you turn on and then you don't turn it off yeah. and I'm fine with not having that be in my life. But there are some movies that I love deeply because some night I was suffering an insomnia and I turned on the television and I caught a movie that then changed my mm-hmm. life. That's how I saw um, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. That's how I saw um, uh, Paths of Glory. Uh, and that is how I saw... Pirates of Penzance. I was like 12 years old and I couldn't sleep, Aww. so I turned on the Disney Channel at 3 in the morning and I had to turn the TV down way low so it wouldn't wake anyone else. And I watched that whole fucking movie and lost my shit at how hilarious you, it was. Because you've never talked about that before. I didn't even know you know that production well, even existed. Bill, I could probably sing the entire libretto uh, oh my God. if you prompted me, and I won't because that would be me. It was. But. It's I love that. It's funny that I you bring up that. Butch Cassidy because in my notes I talk about how you can't go wrong with a story that involves a bunch of goodwilled, good, fun having pirates because that's kind of like <laughs> the, the that's the like that's one of the big uh, uh, factions in that movie is a very nice pirate crew. And yeah, I was yeah, thinking yeah. about how that's always a great dynamic because that inherently doesn't make any sense. And actually, in my notes for uh, Tardy the Pod, uh, for Tardy to the Party. Um, I actually call out, it's kind of like also how in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, you have the Hole in the Wall gang, 
which is supposed to be this evil gang of outlaws, but they're very affable and just kind of like get along. And they, they kind of work on the same rules that the Pirates of Penzance crew works on, where they're just kind of, <laughs> they should be bad guys, but they're actually just kind of affable and just kind of hang out. <laughs> it doesn't really make any sense, but for, you know, it's a, it, it kind of makes them a fun bunch, a bunch of fun outlaws to watch, just like uh, Paul Newman yeah. and his crew. Um, I'm really glad you liked it, Bill, because that movie is very galvanizing, and it is not really accessible. <laughs> no, it is not. And notice I didn't necessarily say I liked it. Uh, I appreciated uh. it on its own terms. But you'll, yeah, again, you'll have to listen to more to Tardy to the Party podcast to get more. Uh, Spoilers! I fucking love that. It's shit. not bad. It, it is. Really it is. Happy. It is the living embodiment of what you think. Like when you think about movie musicals, what they would be, because like it's wall to wall operatic sing. Not operatic sing, but you know how operas. The whole point of an opera is that there's no talking. It's almost all just singing, and that's what this is like. Um, I yeah. One of the things I like about it is that it is very self aware. It is super self aware. Um, and all the performances are very self-aware and not in a way that is obnoxious and winking and dismissive of the material, no, 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 yeah. but in a way that makes the material relevant and accessible to the It makes a party out of the material. Audience. Yeah, it's, it's, exactly. it's not being condescending yeah. or anything towards that. But man, yeah. Kevin Klein, man, he's, he's fucking ridiculous. I Kevin Klein kills in that movie. So does Linda Ronstadt. So does Angela Lansbury. Linda Ronstadt is okay. Angela Lansbury and everything. Man, that movie pissed me off at the beginning because the whole point of Pirates of Menzance, it starts off. It's uh, the main character is this twenty-one-year-old crew boy on this pirate ship, a bunch of full of like very, very nice glutes, uh, who are also just happen to be pirates. And uh, on his twenty-first birthday, he's going to leave the pirate crew and go on shore and actually like live a life where he's not going to be a pirate. And um, the only woman that the pirates know is Angela Lansbury. And there's this whole thing about how he wants to go out and, and bang a lady. Who's not Angela Lansbury? Because yep. Angela Lansbury yep. is kind of old. Because she is, on the whole, uncommonly plain. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. man, you better come up with some hot her. bitches in this movie. Because, like, fucking Angela Lansbury, you'd be lucky to kiss her boots. Much less go out to be talking about how you're going to go out and find someone better and hotter than Angela Lansbury. Fuck you guys. <laughs> you see, yeah. Uh, I feel like I feel like that movie is... Uh, one of my favorites on earth and it's something that i can never share with anyone because it is so weird and i think it will only be your favorite on earth if you also watched it at two o'clock in the morning some night when you couldn't sleep when you were a 12 year old but yeah no it's 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 not bad but it totally is a throwback because well i was never really i mean i loved musical i loved i mean it's it's funny to say that like i never cared much about movie musicals before because one of my my, one of my favorite kids uh, kid movies of all time was mary poppins and that's that's a musical Mm -hmm. but like in terms of like adult musical theatrical performances i never really cared that much about musicals until our friends jen and kip got me watching sondheim and they got me watching uh sweeney todd which actually just happens to star angela lansbury and i think was the project she did right before uh pirates of penzance and uh into the woods and those are the two kind of things that got me back into like appreciating adult musical stuff and this is totally a throwback to the stuff to to, to, like what i thought all musicals were like not to say that like pirates of penzance was bad but this is what more when when people talk about how boring musicals can be this is kind of like what they're talking about because like i said it's wall-to-wall singing it's people in old-timey costumes a lot of like a lot of humor that's like very centric to the times in which it was written like over a hundred years ago 
Um, a lot of <laughs> two giant plot points in the movie uh, hang on the uh, how the British pronunciations of the word pirate and pilot are similar, and something else. There's another thing too where it's oh orphan and often, and you have to be down with that kind of humor, otherwise you're gonna be like, what the fuck am I watching? I don't know if I call them giant plot points. No, the whole reason he's even on that ship at the beginning is because he was supposed to be indebted. He was supposed to be uh, 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 a servant to a pilot, but she got confused and made him the manservant to a pirate. And then later, there's a... I'm aware. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm aware. But I I feel like that's just like... I I feel... I mean, it's it's just a dumb... The reason why I loved it so much is that I, I, I have a love of language yeah. and musicals, especially traditional American musicals, don't always. Like, there are really prominent musicals that that require you to swallow bad rhymes just to get to the yeah. next verse, mm-hmm. whereas there is just a delight in language in the Pirates of Pentecost. Oh, yeah, no, and, yeah, this movie roll out rollicks and shit, that shit. It's, it's, and what makes me sad is that I've never been able to get into any other Gilbert and Sullivan because that, the way it is presented is so uniquely goofball. It's very cheeky. Um, Cheeky? Yeah. yeah, that it's like, it's like, there's not, a, it's not like... It's uh, this is such a tr- uh, a terrible comparison, and I apologize immediately. In that it is a very rote comparison, but it's kind of like um, uh, fucking Monty Python, and that it's yeah. just so mm-hmm. goofball, ridiculous that you can't take it too seriously, even as you know you take it to heart. Well, and, this is also uh, kind of like the Muppet thing we were talking about. It's like if if you didn't grow up with this stuff, like I I can kind of appreciate how fully felt about the Muppets, where if you didn't grow up with this. It's hard to, like, find a d- good entry point as an adult, depending on your kind of personality. Whereas I could see if I... I will if say I, as a counterpoint, Bill, find me another 12-year-old who is obsessed with Pirates of Penzance, probably and could. I will they're buy you. out there. They may be I, an endangered species, mm-hmm. but they're not extinct. But yeah. I don't think it's so endemic that you can you can lay all of the the uh, perseverance of Gilbert and Sullivan <laughs> in culture on the feet of children. Let's, let's this way. I can't slam anyone else for liking Pirates of Penzance when I'm all hung up on Little Women. Is all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> although you saw that when you were 12, I saw Little Women when I was 20, so that's not quite the same thing. But yeah, um, no, no, but yeah, yeah, it no, wasn't bad. I didn't dislike it. Yeah. It was just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a tough pill to swallow. That's why I was surprised at all that you enjoyed it because yeah. most people, I uh, when I'm like I, yeah, I like Pirates of Pennsylvania, <laughs> it's either a they've loved it for years and therefore they're on board, or B, they just kind of roll their eyes. Well, what made Pirates and Pantsance go down actually pretty well was the fact that I had to follow with Breakfast at Tiffany's, which is going to be uh, Daniel's next movie. That's his pick, so I had to rewatch that again. And man, woof. You've seen that, right? I have not. Oh, man. You you know about the whole racist Mickey Rooney shit in there, right, though, right? I do know Where he that, plays a yes. Japanese guy, and he... Well, he doesn't yeah. play a Japanese guy. He plays a caricature of a Japanese guy, and it's just the most... And it's also, like, one of the first things you see in the movie, too, so it's not... You don't even have time with Breakfast at Tiffany's to sit down and, like, get cozy and be like, Oh, I'm watching Audrey Hepburn being, being very urban, being very urbane and sophisticated... And like no, he just shows up. It's like the first. He's like if Jar Jar. If if it's like if the Phantom Menace. If in the opening crawl, Jar Jar Binks was like jam, jam like jumping up and down on top of the letters in the opening crawl <laughs> of the movie. Um, yeah. So 
Anyway, so that I just yeah, I had to watch that stuff for Tardy the Party podcast this week. But oh boy, um, uh, Bill, tell me about uh, Bloodborne. Bloodborne, not much to say because Bloodborne just got a big DLC uh, pack this week, um, which is accessible. It's weird because it's not like that kind of DLC where you can just like access the DLC from the main menu or just go to an obvious place where you could access the DLC into the game. It's kind of like they tuck it into the game where you pretty much have to replay the game or go to a very specific uh, spot in the game that you've already mm-hmm. been to kind of like mm-hmm. accidentally fall into the DLC. Interesting. And I forgot that the last time I had played Bloodborne, uh, for some reason I had decided to start a nude, uh, nude game plus. Um, I had maxed out my character as pretty much as much as I possibly could. And then I guess as soon as I had done that... Uh, yeah, I started a new game plus, which meant new Bloodborne is super complicated with very complicated controls and rules to how the combat works, and it's also just very difficult. All those Souls games are, and it's one of those things. In order to get back to the DLC that I paid twenty bucks for and downloaded, like I would pretty much have to relearn how to play Bloodborne all over again and yeah. dedicate yeah. like a good three or four hours of playing it again just to get to the DLC. And there's too much shit other going on in the world of video games yeah. right now for me to maybe i can do this like next like february when there's no games coming out but right now i was like man i could be playing fallout i could be playing yoshi's woolly world i could be doing this i could be doing that i could be playing battlefront i could be doing this so yeah i'll i'll play that battle uh that bloodborne dlc someday but not but not right now yeah that's how i felt about when uh the, the dlc where i felt strongly like strong enough like that was um the dowd dlc for dishonored yeah, it was which like i that, bought yeah. And I never played because I literally, like, when it originally came out, I literally booted it up, and they asked me to navigate through a level, and I realized I had 100% forgotten how to play Dishonored. <laughs> yeah, exactly that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, where it's a game where, yeah, the mechanics are so very specific to that game, and especially if you need to play well, if it's, like, really, like, mm-hmm. high-level DLC, yeah, you yep. really have to kind of, like, dedicate your pretty much have to replay a big chunk of the game just to get back into the mode so you can actually enjoy the dlc yeah well what was interesting in, with dishonored in particular is that so i recently replayed Dishonored. Yeah, did that have the doubt dlc um, built into that it did okay so i thought i was sitting here going oh well i just finished the game i know that the last time i tried to play this i hadn't i had lost that language yeah. so now that i'm versed in it again i should drop into the dlc and it was so funny because i literally booted up the dlc and it requires you to play the game a certain way and that it removes oh. these skills that had been the cornerstone mm. of how i played the game so i was like well i guess i'm never gonna play Fuck that, that DLC. yeah Especially because, like, those skills are, like, that's so much of what the enjoyment of the game is. Like, teleporting mm-hmm. and doing uh, that. That's, yeah. That, that's yeah. fucking weird. Well, the only video game thing I did this week, other than continue my uh, plummet into the world of Fallout. Oh, actually, real quick, before I move on from Fallout, I have to say this. The one thing I keep reading over and over again is that the moral choices in Fallout are really, really tricky. Yeah. And I've run across, officially, all the factions that play in the game, and I've talked to them, and essentially you have to choose an alliance with any one of the factions. Uh-huh. And it just cracks me up, because the um, uh, the alliances You in have to pick one fun, faction to ally yourself to? We'll see. I was able, I just did a major f- faction crux thing last night, and I was able to kind of play the field. I'm pretty huh. sure that pretty soon I'm going to lose an avenue. Are the Minutemen um, a faction? Sort of. Because you think the Minutemen and the Brotherhood of Steel... Oh, no, the Brotherhood of Steel oh, are kind yeah, of no. dicks, right? 
This is what cracks me up. Okay, mild spoilers for Fallout, but you'll know this from reading anything. The factions in this game are oh, no. the Minutemen, oh, no. who are basically uh, the everyman, which means that they're passively anti-ghoul super mutant and synth, but only because ghoul super mutants and synths are constantly trying to kill yeah, exactly, them. Exactly, yeah. So, they're not necessarily wrong with trying to defend themselves. Technically, they're pro-human and super racist. Wow. But it's, they're less actively racist in that they don't, they're not... It's well, not well, part like, of their charter, can, is what you're saying? Ghouls can chill out as long as you're not feral. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, since they freak, they're freaked out about, but they have good reason. I was reason. about to ask, what's the difference? Uh, what does make what makes a ghoul feral? Do you have to be like super irradiated? Like, how is it that you have ghouls walking around there, like watching Frasier again with the Frasier? And <laughs> I can't remember the canon, but basically, it's a level of irradiation. Oh, okay, yeah. Like you can, depending, I believe, on how you're irradiated, you can either go feral or not. Sometimes it's cool to be like shooting, yeah. Because sometimes they're 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 eating dog shit in an alleyway and then other times they're like yeah reciting fucking shakespeare and like in the mayor of a town so yeah it's what's different is that um uh, as opposed to super mutants where with super mutants there's less of a spectrum it's like you as super mutant make being a super mutant makes you really aggro yeah. um like you, you you historically you find fewer quote-unquote normal super mutants but you can also say that super mutants are made and they're usually trained to be a certain way. But as opposed to a ghoul, where you could just, like, wake up one day and you're ghoulified. So good luck with that. Anyway, anyway you were talking about so, the factions, yeah. So, the Minutemen. Pro-human, passively racist, not aggressively racist. You have the Brotherhood of Steel, who are, in this game, they're kind of pull- boiling them down to their barest, uh, barest uh, uh, feelings. As opposed, They're a little more... Uh, idealistic in the last game in uh, Fallout 3. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, they're just pro-technology, pro-human, but they want to, to keep all the technology for themselves to create a better future. So they're super anti-ghoul, super anti-synth, super anti-supermutant. So oh, we're going to kill everybody. Tell me about that, because fuck those guys then. Because like, yeah, I thought they were going to be cooler than that. They're, they're interesting, you think they're but on they're the, super... If they're on the box art, you think they'd be cooler. No, well, that's the power armor has always been on the box art, and eh. the power. The, this is this is straight up Fallout One and Two bullshit, where this Brotherhood of Seal is uh, that was unique to Fallout Three, where they were the straight up unmitigated good 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 guys. Mm-hmm. So um, Fallout Four, yeah, the Brotherhood they're super racist, and and more than point, they're super isolationist. Oh, what did and you- that they? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, and I'm almost done with my faction listing. There's the uh, uh, no, I was just going to ask real quick because I know I'm going to forget about this. Um, there's some like you ran across the scientist lady who's trying to figure out how to uh, create like essentially a void conf test to figure out who's a synth and who's not. Right. Uh, and you do get the option to shoot her once she tells you that uh, she's only she only has to torture and murder five. See, that's the thing. Bill, this is what I swear to God. When I was doing that mission, Foley looked up like a walkthrough sort of thing yeah. online, just because we were Spoilers curious about the other routes. Well, and people were saying, "Wow, this is really one, a really difficult moral what? situation." You're shooter. This is one of those situations where I'm like, "Are you seriously kidding?" This is what cracks me up because it's like, "Are you pro torture? Are you pro murder?" This is the All first right, then, cool. like real moral. They didn't even present it as a big moral choice. So she just comes out and says, "Hey." Um, I could develop this test, except at best, maybe in a couple year- years, we'll only make it so we only have to, like, torture and murder two or three people per synth. 
<laughs> right now, it's about five people per synth, and I was like, man, yeah. that ain't fucking science. That's fucking. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking. That's Russian roulette. And I just came out and I just beat her ass with a fucking baseball bat. I got one of the uh-huh. sluggers from Diamond City. I had a good time wailing on her because fuck that lady. And it wasn't until yeah. I murdered her I realized I was like, I guess maybe you could have played this differently because it wasn't even like a moral <laughs> well, thing. That's my like, thing. Fuck you. Who would, crazy choose, who would choose pro torture? And apparently the answer is a huge swath of the internet because a lot of people are like, well, this is a really hard choice. Yeah. No. Okay. No, it's not. But so that's the thing. So you go, you then you have, uh, so you got the Brotherhood, technically pro human, mostly pro Brotherhood, uh-huh. anti all ghouls. There's got to be a synth faction and a ghoul faction, right? There is the railroad, the, as in the Underground Railroad, which are pro-synth. Oh. Um, they want to liberate synths from the underground. They want to help synths integrate into normal society. They're not afraid on killing people to get uh, along. Oh, the way. Okay, so they, they're a little bit so, dicks then. Yeah, they're they're very pro-synth, but they're willing to sacrifice pretty much anything. Harriet Tubman with end. a gun. And also, at the end of the day, it's hard to know. What, what is kind of morally tricky is that it is hard to know what, A, who a synth is, and B, who a safe you synth is. You know, I kind of wonder about that, because now I've actually run across a couple synth corpses in the wild, and they're synth corpses. I'm kind of like, they kind of got robot teeth and robot eyes. I'm like, how hard is it to really figure out who's who? All you have to do is well, get a scalpel. there are three generations of synths, uh, okay, my friend. because I've seen some. And of, yeah. Yeah. Because these people like, look you, like they the, were made by Double Dare. And actually, one of the coolest moments in the game, and this is a game full of very Uh-oh. cool moments, is you do go to the room where they make synths. And the animation on how a synth do is made is actually really cool. You? So the um uh I'm just gonna keep going. The railroad is pro synth and they're pretty cool, except they don't care about breaking a bunch of eggs along oh, the way. Okay, I can um yeah, okay. So they're they're very idealistic, but you know, their people will die if you go along with them. Uh and uh, they're not necessarily too concerned about the cost. Um so uh then you have the Institute. Oh fuck the Institute. Fuck. I can already tell fuck the Institute. Fuck the Institute. Which believes that they will save mankind uh through um these advancements in synth technology, but synths at the end of the day are ultimately just a machine that can be used and abused because they're not human. So the bad guy from Blade Runner. Not the bad guy, but they're the guy who makes this the, the replicants in Blade Runner. A hundred percent. And actually their compound looks and sounds a lot like the Citadel from Mass Effect. It's what? Very like it's all like gleamingly it, futuristic and shit? It feels like a very conscious choice. Spoilers. Uh, yeah, well, I said spoilers. Well, I guess I'm 4. not really. I don't play Fallout for the story, really. Um, but it cracks me up. Like of these factions, <laughs> now I don't have to play all... anymore. <laughs> they're all. Well, I'm really curious to see how how I can manipulate these factions because yeah. it's like so. You have the assholes who are isolationists, only trust themselves, believe that synths are literally like just tools to be used and broken and don't matter at all. You have the railroad who is pro synth, pro liberation, but is willing to kill and thinks it's worth it to kill lots of people along the way. You have the Brotherhood who are super isolationist and pro human, and then you have the Minutemen who will just pretty much kill anybody who looks at them who tries to get in their way mm-hmm. so i'm just like this is only a morally difficult choice if you're an asshole yeah. it's like it's a very, like, it's a it's very only, video like, game universe in terms of the morals yeah but uh it, which is interesting because fallout new vegas had a slightly more nuanced faction system because you, you had kind of like the weird 
Centurion Roman shit. Like, obviously, but that was were, the cartoonishly villain But one, you said there was still, know? like, enough gray area between, the like, the factions that was still it was sticky enough that it wasn't so crystal clear cut. It was still pretty exactly, cartoonish, yeah. but it wasn't quite... There was a little bit of play there. Um, and it felt a little more strongly like you could go your own yeah, way. Yeah, and yeah, Fallout 4... I mean, you could. Do you could. have you to choose a faction in Fallout 4? Can you just always just be the middleman and just fuck everybody up if you want to? So far, I am playing the field pretty robustly yeah. just because I don't want to lose you can do that any romantically. You avenues. should be able to do that factionally, too. Oh, man. I've, I've officially romanced uh, four out of seven romanceable companions. Um, seven really romanceable companions. Oh, I just flirted with Piper for the first time right before she magically disappeared, which may have been the reason why she magically disappeared. <laughs> she got too embarrassed. She got, man, she took, man, 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 fucking my fucking Imperator Furiosa came on a little strong. <laughs> Man, the romance in this game is so hilarious because there's a um, a dating sim called Kindness Coins. Where, oh yeah, this um, is yeah, this short. yeah. And the whole idea is that you play a character who's actually being flirted with by a protagonist in a dating sim who thinks that they can just talk you up until you want to fuck them. And your character says, you know, it's not like they're just you can just fill it up with kindness coins until you hit. Uh, you know, until you can fuck me. That's not how the world works. This game is 100% a kindness coin system, and it cracks me up. There's a, a one character uh, that you meet early in the game who is a um, a brotherhood dude, and literally, to get him to like me, all I have to do is get into power armor. What? Or make a weapon, or, like, improve a weapon. So I'll, like, I was trying to fast-track our robots, so I would, I literally went back to my homestead, tinkered with a weapon, got into my power armor, got out of my power armor, napped for a number of hours so that he would be newly impressed yeah, exactly, by those yeah. things, and then do it over again. And the whole time I'm doing this, I'm like, I love you, you dumb video game. <laughs> is, there, is there a Brotherhood of Steel guy named, I think his name is Duke? dance not okay it's, it's not the guy i'm talking about because uh the first i think he may be brotherhood of steel I, i've not seen any i've not talked to directly talked to anybody from the brotherhood of steel who claimed that, that they were part of the the brotherhood uh, except for um uh right after i first flirted with piper i found this guy in kind of looked like brotherhood of steel power armor just patrolling the northeastern corridor i ran into him right outside the museum of witchcraft and he's just like yeah. walking this giant circuit and you talk to him, but you can't really like get a deep conversation with him. But he'll be like, "Hey, what you doing? How you doing? Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm just patrolling the wasteland." And I was like, I walked around like a quarter of the map, seeing if he would like, if I followed him, if he would take me back to the Brotherhood of Steel headquarters. Doesn't seem to be working because he seems to be just going in a big circle. But uh, actually, it was while following him that Piper magically disappeared from. So she may have gotten <laughs> jealous because this is also right after I started flirting with her, but. Um, of course. Okay, so okay, maybe he's not a known brotherhood. Of Man, guy. the the I'm really mad because I went to the Museum of Witchcraft explicitly because I was like, okay, this game is set place in Massachusetts yeah. around Halloween. That place There's a Museum empty. of Witchcraft. There has to be an equipable witch hat yeah. in this game, and there is not. Especially because the icon for the museum is a witch hat. Is a witch hat. On, it made me mad. I will say, I, I really liked the Museum of Witchcraft as a little bit of level design, even though it was really not difficult. See, I snuck in through was... the back door and fought my way up through the basement, so maybe I didn't see a lot of that. How did you fight your... There's only one villain, and in... there's only one Well, that's what happened. I shot him through the floor. Really? Yeah. You broke one of my favorite moments in the game. Really? <laughs> Welcome to Fallout 4, where nothing quite works the way it's supposed to. 
Well, no, it's just that that is an option. I was thinking about this a lot lately, actually, because I was like, oh, I could have, I had a moment yesterday where I, I met a character in an isolated place and I suddenly realized, I'm like, I could just kill you right now and just not worry about this entire arc. <laughs> None of your allies that's are a, around you. That's a homicidal you. maniac's way of thinking. I could just, mur- but I could just cut through so Fallout- many Gordian knots by murdering you right now in a dark alley. Fallout allows you to do yeah. it. Fallout never tells you that it's wrong because you're all, the whole point. God is damn, Annie. The hell you want. That's dark. But no, that that the the museum of witchcraft is great because you go. Yeah, so it, there's a there's a de- dark uh, death claw in there. But as you wander through this basement, there are, the whole game is all about defeating waves and waves of enemies, right? Mm-hmm. And like it's not it, it. And there's no that the whole level is about building dread around this one enemy because if you don't shoot them through the floor like Bill did, as you wander through the basement, you see like you hear them walking. Yeah, because you come like. I- like you, can you come in through the front door? Do you have to go no. through the basement, right? You have to go. Yeah, because you find like a storm, like a stellar uh, cellar storm door that you can go through, and that's what. Yeah, and so you're going upstairs, and you can hear something upstairs. Um, I guess did Death Claws in the previous games do the howling fart shockwave blast thing, or is that new to this game? I have no idea what you're talking. No, about. Death Claws will do like this. They'll, they'll do this like this howling scream auditory blast radius kind of like they can kind of like make you a little bit like blind and kerfuddled for a second if you get caught in their blast radius and you can hear the the death claw doing that it's kind of roaring you get upstairs and you have to do a big fight with him in right like right in front of the like the salem witch trial exhibit um which is not very interesting because it's just a bunch of dummies in normal day clothing just standing around someone tied to a uh, cross but you're right bill i am shocked shocked that they didn't make unique assets for this one location you know what there is who do you talk to who has a fucked oh when you go to diamond city you talk to the guy who he loves to collect baseball paraphernalia and his idea of baseball is confused it's i was kind of i was kind of bummed that the salem witch trial museum isn't more of a screwed up idea of what the witch trials were were about granted this is a museum that exists that existed before the apocalypse but it'd be funny if kind of people if there was a museum of the past that had the same worldview as the baseball guy in diamond city where he thinks like baseball was all about beating people to death with baseball bats like like on the field um i don't know so but uh, yeah as you 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 wander through the basement and you like yeah you hear these sounds and maybe uh, like you'll see a glimmer and at one point you actually see a dead body drop through a hole in the basement mm-hmm. and uh you you know you get to up to the top floor and the whole floor is empty and full of all these figures in the darkness you can't quite make out what's friendly yeah i never got any of that i just yeah finally get to the end of it and then there's this dark there was none of that movie like it didn't even seem like a stage it seemed like an accident like this death claw even got into the in, in into the place it didn't even seem like it was but like a you know what that's thing. that's uh fallout for you yeah. it's like they'll just because they develop something doesn't mean that they think that you have to well it's it funny because like talking to other people about this the stuff that's happened in their game it, it's a 50 50 chance as to whether or not the thing that happened is either a bug or a feature so it's it's hard to, and I think that's deliberate. I think that well, they would, no, because the, if they intentionally designed this many bugs into the game, then they fucked up. But no, Bill, I'm not saying that they deliberately put bugs in the game. I'm saying there are some things that you kind of have to let a bug happen, yeah. just so that you know weird, dumb shit can happen. Yeah. You know, it's like there, and there's only so much you can do to engineer bugs out of a game that is has like literally hundreds of interacting choices and 30 miles of content. Yeah. They, they, 
it. I so don't know. anyway, yeah. you want to talk about a game-breaking breaking bug. The one other thing that I did this week was um, I'm trying to finish Tales from the Borderlands. And uh, the last episode came out a while ago, and uh, I got through the first... I got to the end of the first chapter, and the game froze on the loading screen, and I couldn't get past it. <sighs> so tell-tale. as much as I yeah. love that series, and that is the first bug I have hit in a Telltale game in years... So as much as I love that series and had a great time with it, I stopped, you know, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll wait for a little while. And uh, this week, Foley and I um, uh, fired it up and uh, we're like, oh, well, let's see if we can get any farther in it. And sure enough, we got to the third chapter of the game before we hit the same bug and it froze on the loading screen and uh, I couldn't proceed any. But having said that, fuck, that game is good. Like, it really breaks my heart. I'm actually looking up to see if there's a Black Friday sale on PSN for Tales from Borderlands. Can't recommend it highly enough. There's a moment in that game that I was actually really surprised by. Um, I'm always fascinated by when a game asks you to do something that is not physically difficult. It's not gameplay difficult. The only difficulty that comes from the moment is an emotional difficulty. And it's always interesting to see when a game can sell that and when they can't. Like, an example I always think of is there's a moment in Heavy Rain where you are a father being forced to go through this torture maze to um, free your son, and uh, there's this cor- like this, this tunnel that's filled with glass, and you have to force your character to crawl through the glass. And, uh, like, there's all this mm. visual feedback and tactile feedback in the controller. And as I'm playing this, I was the I, I, I was very conscious of it because I had to replay that about four times because of a weird gameplay decision. And the first time, it was difficult because I had made enough of an emotional character connection with this character. I was like, oh, man, I can't believe I'm making him do this. Or it was like the fourth time, I was like, all right, buddy, whatever. Just muscle up. Here's a glass sandwich for you. And, uh... Tales from the Borderlands in the last episode made me do something that was so hard for me to do. I had to pass the controller to Fuller and Foley and ask her to do it instead. And uh, it's just, you know, I'm always intrigued by games that can do that. And it, granted, I, I connect with video games very emotionally, so I'm very easily manipulated in that regard. But uh, I was really impressed at such a, a, a series that feels like the way I remember Cowboy Bebop being, okay. in that it's a goofy space romp until all of a sudden the stakes are pretty um, serious. So is it over and, now? Uh, Did you finish it? Well, I got three chapters oh, in, okay. and I hit a bug that won't let me proceed. But those three chapters were really good. <laughs> That's the other thing. Talking about developers with who constantly release buggy games. That's... Well, I guess I haven't hit a bug in a Telltale game since... The first Walking Dead. I have not played a Telltale game that wasn't buggy. I mean, granted, again, it's my own personal experience, but... Well, what I'm saying is... It's hard to get invested in those games when you know that your game could break at any moment. Did you play Wolf Among Us or Walking Dead Season 2? I played some of the Season 2, and that kind of... I mean, I I feel like they have, for the most part, moved on from this bugginess, which is why this was so surprising to me. And I haven't heard anyone else complain about it, so I wonder Mm. if it was just, like, some magical combination of things. But, uh, man, that game, the series, is really good and is genuinely one of my Game of the Year contenders. Yeah, looking up Tales from the Borderlands on PSN right now, I can't find uh, any way to actually purchase the whole season, but you can download the free demo, which I don't know if it's just the... uh, I can't tell if this is just the ep- first episode being free or if there's just a chunk of the first episode that's you can try for free or what. 
I'm I s- think the way Telltale is doing things now is you have to buy, you have to get the first episode, and then you can buy a quote unquote. Season yeah, their season pass passes are everything but the pilot episode. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, so yeah. I want to do that. That's how they've been doing. Yeah, I think I'll, I'm definitely going to try to play that before the end of the year because a lot of uh, Tales of Borderlands is coming up in a lot of Game of the Year conversations right now. So. It's a really good game. People despite like it. Actual, just despite the fact that I literally can't finish it, I still say it's one of my favorite <laughs> games of the year. <laughs> well, oh, video boy. games. Oh, video games. Anyway, uh, oh, yeah, actually, you know what? This I is. Like uh, I was going to go off into a Jessica Jones thing, but actually, you were talking about the uh, kindness coins thing. That is kind of mm-hmm. like the end end game of Jessica Jones. I just finished that last night, and that series is neither as ass-blastingly as fantastic as people were saying the day it came out, nor is it as terrible as everyone was saying the next day when the backlash struck, <laughs> but it's still a pretty good series. I like that. It was a good show. The end. My favorite commentary I saw from Jessica Jones was someone saying, uh, oh man, this show is so weird. All the male characters are either slutty yeah. villains or eye candy. Oh, wait. This show really <laughs> like, does feel uh-huh. like it fell through an alternate, like a crack between the alternate universe where, like, yeah, exactly. Like, women get to be action heroes and the guys are just candy and are just, yeah, no. It's, 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 it's worth just watching just for that different kind of paradigm going on in that show. Mm-hmm. It's still, it's, mm-hmm. the writing and acting, everything, like performances and, and, and everything are good enough to back it up. It's not like you're just watching it just because, oh, like, Luke Cage is just sexy and he's just eye candy. I mean, it still stands on its own merits, but um, it gets a little flabby towards the end. There's, like, it's a 13-episode series. It could have been, I think it could have been like a 10 episode series um there's a point where the kind of the narrative makes a big shift like in the last couple episodes where for me it kind of let all the 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 air out of the bag in terms of the narrative and things kind of became really kind of more conventional and predictable towards the end whereas like the first two-thirds of the show was really some crazy fucked up shit going on it was hard to tell exactly how things were going to go down and i like the fact that it's not just jessica jones isn't the only strong female character in the show her best friend is also super badass. Uh, her her best friend is this cool blonde lady who, uh, she doesn't have any superpowers or anything like that, but she's a uh, famous talk show host who she is also a super badass just by virtue of the fact that she is a woman who is popular and she has enough stalkers that she's decided to go on the offensive uh, by being super defensive by she's been taking all these crazy... Uh, kung fu classes and stuff like that and so she knows how to handle herself when she gets fucked with by stalkers and so when jessica jones starts having problems in her own show she's a really good ally to have for jessica jessica's the superhero but she has this like non-superpowered best friend who's pretty much just as much of a badass as jessica jones is herself but she's kind of a pretty blonde lady who's just known to be kind of a cute face but she's secretly like a she's a tough motherfucker She's a great character too. I like I like Jessica Jones just as much for her character as much as Jessica Jones. Uh, the other character Trish doesn't show up. You know she's not in the show as nearly as much because she's quote unquote just the best friend. But still, there's cool stuff in that show. I don't know I like it. Did you watch any more of I'm it? Glad you had a good time with it. No. Oh, okay. I watched that one episode and I was like, not for me. Wait, no, why did you, you not like? What was it that made you? Oh, was it cause because the lady? Because it's not fun to watch a big rape analogy for 13 episodes that's exactly what it is i mean that, that yeah no that keeps right to the end so it i'm is, out 
rapey you know? kindness coins dude frustrated because he can't make women do exactly what he wants and he can't shape reality enough and how women have to pay the price for his shortcomings it's just that that this really is just that whole dynamic sexual dynamic between men and women writ large and not just men and women in general but frustrated dipshit guys and granted it's just not fun yeah also to be totally honest with you i hit my marvel cinematic universe limit about 15 minutes into the first avengers which is funny because this is the first time (laughs) jessica jones has got me more invested in the marvel cinematic universe than anything else right now especially because spoilers for uh jessica jones fucking rosario dawson shows up and in, in, in uh, one of the last episodes of Jessica Jones, and turns out she shows up because she's, I didn't know this, but she's a, one of the, she's like a, 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 she's a nurse character on Daredevil, too. I was about to say, yeah, she was in Daredevil, So she's right? kind of running, she's like part of the connective tissue between all these Netflix Marvel shows, I guess. And I was like, fuck it, man, I don't know Rosario Dawson's part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I can actually get, inv- like, emotionally invested in this shit. Um, I didn't realize... So what I guess Netflix's whole plan for this is that there's going to be okay. So there was Daredevil, there's Jessica Jones, Luke Cage mm-hmm. is getting his own show. There's mm-hmm. Iron Fist, who's a kung fu dude, and I mm-hmm. guess that's all leading up to a mini. It's essentially the Avengers thing, where like you've got these four characters who have their shows. The Defenders. And the Defenders, yeah. which actually now, because like just knowing that Jessica Jones and Luke Cage are going to be on a show with like two other badasses, I'm like. I could watch that. That's cool. As long as her best friend Trish gets to play along too. Fucking a, yeah, fucking yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, it, it, yeah. It's I, I'm excited. I, I I know a lot of people are having a really good time with Jessica Jones and Daredevil, and I'm really not trying to be a Grinch no, about it at me, all. Yeah. And it, it's like I kept seeing everyone's reaction on my Twitter feed to the Civil War trailer this week. And it was just one of those moments where I'm like, wow, is this how you guys feel about me and Robin Hood? It kind of, I guess so. Distantly affectionate. And uh, uh, it's like, sure, you go for it, buddy. This is everyone else's Fallout 4. Um, (laughs) No, you know, I saw the Civil War trailer and I saw people flipping out beforehand. I was like, okay, it's just their friends are fighting now. But then I saw everyone... Uh, freaking out about it from a slash fiction point of view, which suddenly that Civil War uh, trailer becomes a lot more entertaining if you look at it as well, everyone just fighting because they're just upset with their boyfriends, which is a lot more 110% Bill, if you made Bucky Barnes Peggy Carter in that trailer, note to note, identical, except it's Peggy instead of Bucky, all of a sudden it's romantic. Like, that is, that is, one, that is not, I don't even feel like that's subtext anymore. That is straight up text, dude. Man, did you I finish, mean, seriously. Did you finish the Peggy, the Agent Carter show. I didn't watch a single episode of it because I'm done with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Man, that's the other thing. I actually legitimately enjoyed the Jessica Jones show on its own merits. That got me thinking about how the Agent Carter thing, like, I appreciated more than I actually enjoyed it because I sure. Haley Atwell is such a great character or such a great actor. Yeah, she's fun. And, and you yeah. know, a- Peggy Carter is a great character, but like. Agent Carter was not very good. At least Jessica, J- J- Jessica Jones has its own merits. I'm not going to say it's like a classic. I don't know. Whatever. It's also hard for me to untie what the, sh- like, what the show means. is like Part of the appeal of Jessica Jones for me, I, I, it, for me as a guy, I'm, I'm taking away far different things from this show as, as, as I would from if I, if I were a lady watching the show. But I just do love a uh, show where you've got like an unlikable lead female lead 
and she is kind of mm-hmm. genuinely unlikable. It's not like kind of cute yeah. unlikable, but it's a little. She's a little bit of an asshole. She really is an asshole. Yeah. Um, and it's she the sort of character you usually that. don't get women to play. It's exactly, usually and just the novelty play, yeah. of that. A gender, other gender, se- rapey, sexual politics stuff aside, I just kind of like it for that. Um, but sure. I don't know. It's hard for me to talk, about, especially as a guy. Last thing in the world uh, the world needs is more guys' opinions about Marvel Cinematic comic book movie tv show shit but i i liked it i thought it was okay i'm really glad you had a good time yeah. with it and most people seem to have and i feel bad because foley's really enjoying it and i'm just like i can't go there with you dude i just can't wait what about foley just... foley really likes it oh she likes jessica jones yeah she had it she watched yeah it she was... i can see if she's uh, in the jessica first, jones place she don't want to necessarily be in a muppet place actually i could appreciate that <laughs> so anyway, anyway video games movies tv shows uh, now we're gonna have break and we're come back and have the geek week in review yeah we're gonna come back and and do things and talk more about with our mouth holes thank god remember <laughs> right after we eat some more turkey it's my birthday so you know i want to go out even if we only stay at my house Sip on iced tea as we decide if we want to go out Tastes good, but I want to go out I want McDonald's or maybe Wendy's White Castle sounds good, I'm really hungry But I think I know what I want to get now Let's go to Burger King Black. Yeah, you know I one burgers and fries, I've been feeding for that number two, no cheese and extra fries and girl, you know why. One burgers and fries, don't need candles or cake, just need your body to take me to Burger King. Burger King. Want that number two, no cheese, please. Burger. Right, let me take a big slug of this Is water. it too late to change my birthday dinner on Saturday from Pure Spice to uh, to Burger King? I think it costs a hundred dollars to have a Burger King party bill. I'll throw in. I don't know. Yeah, hundred dollars <laughs> is about really. How do you know this? That's what it was when I was a kid. <laughs> I remember. You know, because no one. I remember as a kid, some some rich people would have like McDonald's birthday parties, but you never heard of anyone having like a Burger King birthday party. Really? I went to, I went to multiple Burger King really? McDonald's birthday be parties. Really? That Burger King, you know, cuz McDonald's was like the known thing, but like Burger King better. <laughs> um, well, to be fair, in my youth, Burger King was a little more aggressive about the kids demographic. Well, that's true cuz like, yeah, you're a little BK bit younger than I am. Mascots. Was, yeah. yeah. Burger King didn't step up but shit until like the mid 80s, really. By then I was too old. All right, my friends, are you ready to get back into so, this? So it looks like Tales from the Borderlands is $13 on Steam right now. I may pull the trigger on that. I'm going to have to see if yeah, if it's on PSN for cheaper than that, because I'd like to play it on play PSN. Play it with your Steam controller. Fuck that Steam controller. Man, Valve fucked up. Those Steam fucking boxes are a mess, and that controller, I can, it's not even about, like, it not working well, it's just hard to get it to work at all. It's so much easier just to plug in an Xbox controller, and that just, like, yeah. the, 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 the PC just recognizes that instantly, it works, like, I don't have to map it, whereas with the Steam controller, there's so much wrestling just to get it the... Ah, uh, just yeah. just to get up on its fucking feet. It's just like, oh my god. That's got to be hard because anytime you're bucking with an established like language that everything is tuned to, yeah. it's like even if your changes are technically better, it's like getting. Well, that's that the thing. Even when it works, work. then and then yeah, it's it's challenge just to get it working. Much less when it's yeah. working, then you have to deal with a whole different thing. Like 
yeah, like instead of having two thumbsticks, you're dealing with a thumbstick and a, a trackpad, and they don't make it very clear that like I've seen. I, it's funny because I've seen a lot of people who have managed to get their Steam uh, controller working complain that the uh, trackpad that substitutes for it, like the 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 right hand uh, thumbstick, only does mouse motion. Like it, instead of like acting as a trackpad, or it, it acts as like a like like a like a controller ball. Like, it tracks, like, you know, like, like you'd use to play, like, an old arcade game with. Which, actually, oh. that's something you can change in the settings. So, instead of just, like, like when you flick it, like, the, the, the mouse moves, you can make it so, like, the action on that trackpad is more like a thumbstick rather than, like, a mouse ball. Um, but mm-hmm. lot, they don't make it very clear in the documentation for that controller that that's, like, one of the things you can change. And so, a lot of people just dismiss the whole controller just because that trackpad just feels like a, like a trackball. When that, you, that, that is, that change, I don't know, it's... Yeah, Steam Valve Valve kind of fucked their shit up with all that hardware stuff. So, you know. anyway, monkey pants. Monkey pants indeed. So let's all right. get this fucking show on the road. All right, all right, here we go. All right, pals, we're back, and now it's time for the Geek Week interview. This is the part of our podcast where Bill has noted news in the week that was, and uh, I am reading it oftentimes for the first time, learning about yeah, it. Speaking so about buying stuff. Let's learn about nerd stuff together. Bill opens asking, uh, any Black Friday stuff we bought? Yeah, did you get anything, any? Nope. Not at, well, wait, didn't you say you bought something, 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 something? No. I did not, my wife was sick. We stayed home and I didn't Well, no, online. that's because you, like, out. Black Friday is mostly about online date deals and shit these days. Um. I was busy playing Fallout. <laughs> yeah, this is probably the first Black Friday in a decade where I really didn't, like, go out of my way to look for anything, or, like, it, like well, they, like, online retailers seem to do a better job of spreading out the Black Friday deals all over the whole week, rather than just, like, midnight on Thursday night. Like, suddenly, like, oh my god, we all got this crazy shit. Um, the only thing I saw, uh, bought on Friday was PSN had a sale where they had, uh, the, the terrible new, uh, downloadable, uh, Godzilla game for ten bucks, which I got just oh, yeah. as I'm a Godzilla schmuck, and the Order 1888 for 10 bucks so i got those two for for collectively for 20 bucks oh the order i'll be curious to hear what your response to the order if i ever play it that might be one of those things i just bought because it was so cheap especially for a game that's only like six months old for it being 10 bucks is just just the the just just for the uniqueness of of being able to do that and then on steam they had skyrim was it skyrim for five bucks and fable for uh like two dollars yeah. And that's the HD Fable remake, I guess. It was only like $2. So, yeah, for 30 bucks I got... Eh, that was a pretty good chunk of gaming I got there. Um, I guess the closest I got to participating is that right before we started recording this podcast, uh, I got an email notification from Steam that games on my wish list were on sale. So I did... Because uh, I'm rarely on my computer. I technically I consider this Steam. Black Friday because it's a Black Friday sale, even though it's Sunday as we're recording. But that's part of that thing. So, yeah, what'd you just buy? I uh, picked up... Uh, Loom, uh, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, which I haven't played since I was a weird. Yeah, you got that LucasArts and, pack? Uh, no, because I already own the dig. Oh, okay. So okay. it was better off for me just to buy Loom and Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. And I went ahead and bought the Shiva, which I really have been What the hell is the Shiva? All for about four bucks. Uh, the Shiva is a point and click oh, adventure okay. game about a rabbi in New York who's uh, solving a mystery. Oh, one of those games. One of those, yeah, one of the the robust murder solving rabbi genre. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, no, I think but, that LucasArts mm-hmm. Adventure Pack was the first thing I ever bought on Steam. 
like the day I registered a Steam account, they were like, they just happened to have a sale for like five bucks for, yeah, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, The Dig, and whatever the third thing was. Man, I really loved The Dig when it came out, and that is one of those games where you can never go home again. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you tried to play that recently? I did. I tried to show it to Foley because I was like, oh, Foley, this game meant so much to me. And I'm like, no, I should not no. share that with you. But the score is still really, really good. Yeah. So Aww. I take Aww. comfort in that. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, I, this Christmas is going to be weird. I don't know what to get anyone. Get everyone a Ghostbusters Lego HQ! <laughs> Doesn't that not come out until January? Yeah, not in January 1st. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I'm like, what am I going to get fully for Christmas? Uh, I guess I'll get her the bank vault, but it doesn't come out until after. Oh, man, I listed? Because, like, I should not be spending any money, but I did create a list of dumb shit that I'd be tempted to buy this December that I don't want to buy, but I, like, in my heart of hearts, I would like to buy. And everything, it's like $1,000 worth of stupid shit, but, yeah. (laughs) Well, good, because I have no idea what to get you for your birthday or Christmas. Uh, (laughs) If you want to get me something for my birthday and you feel like breaking the bank, get me a Ghostbusters HQ for $350. The Lego Airjetsu Temple for $200. I did actually really think about getting you that dumb Airjetsu oh, Temple. Do, I do, really no, did. No, no. I do not. I never expect birthday or Christmas gifts from people. It's always nice when I do get them, but I, it's never much less hundred like hundreds of dollars worth of inanimate plastic. See, um, that's what's killing me is that I know that you feel about presents the way I feel about presents, what? which is that you don't expect them, but you're delighted I by them. I am delighted by them, but I also have the like free money to burn to get them for myself at the same time, too. If, if my only avenue to get this stuff was through presents from other people, it would be I'd be more like like hoping like, oh, man, I hope I do get that. But if I if if, if I don't get it for my birthday, I just go and fucking get it. Uh, there's a new, uh, yeah. how much is this? Like a $250 Marty McFly doll? <laughs> so, so this is something that got announced two years ago. Um, uh, was it Hot Toys? The, the, was it, are they? Are- oh, it's a Hot Toys figure. They do amazing work. So they're coming out with a, like a light up with sounds and everything DeLorean. That's not coming out. It sounds like it could come out anytime between now and February, but they do have the Marty McFly doll that goes with that. The DeLorean mm. is 600 bucks. The Marty McFly is like 200 and change. Again, this is nothing I'm expecting to buy, but I did create a list of like things where like, if I'm going to spend any money on myself for Christmas this year, I'm like, okay, this is like, if, if, if I'm going to do this, this is like, I'm like, I could buy like two Marty McFly's for that, you know, that kind of thing. Anyway, so yeah, so yeah, Marty McFly and the DeLorean together would be about 800 bucks. I found out on eBay that people sell Tom Servo and Crow Mystery Science Theater 3000 full-scale puppets? Like, homemade wow. puppets that are, like, $250 a piece. And that's one of those things where I'm, like, if I'm going to spend $250, if I were going to spend, like, $250 on myself for Christmas, I like, I could be, like, I can get an Air Jitsu Temple or a Crow Robot. Or I could be, like, I could just save that money and put it in the bank. <laughs> and... There's an X-Files Blu-ray set coming out next week for uh, 250 bucks too, which I don't care about because I've never seen the show, but at the same time, that's kind of the justification for me wanting to check out the show because it seems like it's supposed mm-hmm. to be like an HD remastered like super set of all the episodes. And I'm almost tempted to pull the trigger on that just because I've never seen it before and I know it's such a seminal thing for so many people. And if I do have it, I can let other people borrow it if they want to watch it. So I don't know. I'm not really tempted to buy it, but it just like that's stuff that's out there that like... Yeah, I don't know. That's Bill's idiot, sh- stupid shit coming out of Christmas list. 
Um, <laughs> not stuff that I want yeah. from other people or I'm expecting as gifts, but like, I don't know. Foley and I had this conversation because, you know, I'm much like you, where if I want something, I usually get yeah. it. It's not like I'm, like, I told her, I'm like, well, I kind of want Rise of the Tomb Raider, but I can also not get it because I'm probably going to still be playing Fallout for a while. And when I want it, I could just buy it. And uh, I'm like, well, n- none of the Lego sets that are out I really want. I want Lego parts, but that's not really something I can ask you for. And if you just gave me, like, PayPal credit, that's not super emotionally yeah, exactly, exciting. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's like I I read a lot of ebooks, but I don't want just ebooks credit because that's Let's really think bad. About, well, loving gifts, but being very picky too. Well, it's not just that. It's like I'm also in a point in my life where it's like I want less stuff. Like I don't want more things, but I really love presents. Things are good. Fo- presents are great. Fully. Yeah. Foley, poor Foley is not a presence person, is not a things person, and she doesn't like surprises either. So she's like, you know, she's a poor kid. I feel like she's between a rock and a hard place with me because I like, I don't want to, I, I self, there are things that I want, but I just want her to magically know them because if I tell her to buy me something and then she buys it, I feel like, I'm like, well, that's not a surprise. Dylan, or like did stop me from buying stupid stuff for the last couple of weeks because she did say, Bill, I'm going to get you something for your birthday. Yeah. You better not buy it for yourself. So I stopped all yeah. buying. I don't know what it is, but she's uh, she, the only other thing she would remark that she it, when it arrived at her house, it was way bigger than she anticipated it being, and that she might have to drive the car over. Oh my goodness! So I'm like, what? And I'm like, what could it be? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. So I've stopped buying stupid shit for myself in the last couple of weeks. Well, that's, that is good. Yeah. <laughs> and well, the other, the only other thing is like the reason I drew up this list of super expensive dumb shit. That like essentially like like uh like an Amazon wish list of like super expensive things is uh there's a whole bunch of new Star Wars stuff coming out this month. Not that I'm interested in buying more toys and stuff, but there's like a bunch of books about the making of the movie and things like that. That I'm like yeah, when I look at my list of like I could buy Lego Airjitsu Temple that like I'll really never do anything with, or I could actually just take that two hundred dollars, like spend fifty of that on these Star Wars books and put like the other hundred hundred and fifty in the bank. And, like, that is a better use of that $200, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, the one thing that I want for Christmas is this fucking recliner that I'm obsessed with. You've been with. talking about that for six months, yeah. But it's also a $700... Like, I, I, I'm going to buy it from a company that I'm affiliated with in my work, so I will get a significant discount. How did you fully go around and collect the... With, have fully go around to your friends and, like, start up at least maybe not pay for the whole two $750, but, like, say, hey... For the Annie Fund this year, could you kick in like Bill? If she goes to all my friends and they all raise two hundred dollars, that's still five hundred. Which of is a recliner amazing. you'll use for the next twenty years. God, think about it. it but you'll thing, use it. Oh, God damn it! No, yeah. See, that's the thing. It's like the only things I want are really too expensive. See, that's the thing. My list right purchase. here is nothing about what am I going to do with the Tom Servo puppet? That's like a quarter of what you're talking about for this chair, and you'll use that if, chair. What if I get this recliner and it's no good? What if it doesn't wear See, that's, out very I well? Do start what if in like four years it dies? Yeah. What if I? So it's like know. the only thing I want is too expensive, and all the other things I want, I just want you her know how to magically much know that I want. Get with all the stuff that we're talking about. <laughs> you know, no oh, man. That's oh, the other boy. thing. I fell asleep the other night <laughs> reading the Swiss Colony catalog on my iPad. And I started looking not at the food stuff, but at the Christmas Village, which is their where they all their merchandise, like you know the to- like 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 bathrobes, and 
the Swiss Colony Gaming Catalog. <laughs> Annie, for Christmas, I might get you the Swiss Colony Gaming uh, or gaming console, not gaming catalog. Yeah, there's a sixty dollar gaming console that runs on like four AA batteries. Wow! It comes with a hundred and thirty five games. Uh-huh. Uh, that looking at the reviews for it, most people don't seem to understand how to hook it up to their TV. So I'm wondering <laughs> if maybe it's actually like designed for like old CRT televisions, or or maybe a lot of the oh old, wow, or if uh, like a lot of the old people buying that have crts and this is designed for like an hd tv it's i think about that a lot like all of the the technology obsolete technology that people are still selling Uh because to someone it's not obsolete there's a convenience store by my house that they're they primarily exist to sell cigarettes but they have all this stock just kind just kind of to fill the store more than anything else and uh we lost our wine opener so i went i was like oh well you know a lot of random crap uh, why did I? Oh, I did don't know. Did it die? It's, it's missing somewhere. Just in my house. Well- Actually, I think Foley may have taken it to work to use as a prop <laughs> in a okay, photo yeah. shoot. To be okay. So, um, uh, we I went looking for it, and uh, I was like, no, I'll just go there and buy one. I bet you they'll have one. They had one that, from the design of the packaging and the age of the packaging, it was old enough that it did not have a copyright sign on it anywhere. What? But I would guess that that bottle opener was older than I am. I was about to say, is Easily. this from like nineteen like 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 nineteen thirty nine or something like that? It was. It, it was. I would guess its date was maybe nineteen eighty two. I'm guessing. How much was it? Like it was a uh, dollar twenty five, and I'm pretty sure that label, that price tag, was from nineteen eighty two. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> It was so it's, good, and he. It's, I was standing there as I was waiting to check out, and I was staring at the things he has hanging over the desk because they're too valuable to be um, just left out. And it's like an iPod two case is up oh, there. Oh yeah, like there's yeah, there's all sorts of R. Uh, what is it? RGB cables for uh, your TV it's, and stuff. It's like always that. amusing to see the stuff that clutters. It's funny, like you said, this is at, at a convenience store too, right? Because yeah, I could yeah. see it, like, because people love to go to, like, Walmart and Target and find stuff that's been sitting on the shelf for, like, 15 years. Like, there is, like, on, like, the gaming subreddit, there's always somebody posting, like, oh, my God, these people are still selling, like, PlayStation 1 games because they'll still have, like, obviously, like, no one's, like, touched or looked at this one shelf since, like, 1999. That's one thing yeah. you can get away with, like, a giant, like, big box store, but it's funny that a convenience store, they still just have shit that's been sitting around for, like, 12 years that, like, n- it's probably fallen out of inventory that, like, they don't even know they have. You'd probably be doing them a favor shoplifting it, it just to get it off the shelf so they can just replace it with something else, but, yeah. It's cute that you think that this convenience store even has that reported as Well, that's what I'm saying, yeah, or, like, yeah, you were, even if they did, it would have fallen, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's anyway yeah. can you believe that this is actually the part of our podcast called the geek we can review where we talk about <laughs> getting news there we mosey along around this is like fallout <laughs> where you you have a goal and then you get sidetracked by there's a fucking a giant bee and the giant bee kind of hurts you and you're like fuck you bee and you chase the bee into a radioactive swamp and then you have to look for Rataway. and then mm-hmm. suddenly the thing you were doing at the beginning was like what am i doing now now i'm like I didn't even kill that bee. Now I'm in, like radiated, and oh my god! Oh yeah, my son's missing. Yeah, now I'm, huh. oh that's right, my son's missing. But I just found the recreation of Quint being eaten by a shark from Jaws in the middle of this lake. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, Bill has posted here a question, a thread. From Speaking of Reddit, Reddit. yeah, uh, it's a screen cap from an uh, AMA. Ask me anything. 
Uh, it says, hey, Danny, long time slash first time ellipsis. Fuck this Q ampersand A nonsense. Let's get to some real news. WTF does Rockstar have on deck? So this is a question being directed at uh, Danny Danny Ross. He's a, he's a sound producer at Rockstar. He was doing an AMA on, on the gaming subreddit. And his answer yeah. is? His answer is, uh, really, dumbass, really, two. So everyone's freaking the fuck out. It's interesting, because there are a few ways that can be read. Oh, there's one uh, way everyone's interpreting that. Well, everyone wants it to be Red Dead Redemption 2, but we know they're also working on Bully 2. But when you're saying Bully 2, that's when you say Bully 2. <laughs> not R, it's not really R, oh. dumbass. Because if you look like at his response, it's R-D-R-2. So you can interpret it oh. really where he's just for some reason calling this guy a dumbass, saying really twice... And then just saying, there's two secret projects. Oh, Bill, thank you for uh, uh, solving the riddle for me, because clearly... Because his answer in code is RDR2. Yeah, that really dumbass really too. Yeah. So everyone's going, Uh, and of course... They're, they're gonna make now another I want it to red be bully too, just to fuck with people. <laughs> uh, well, that's the other thing. Yeah, I mean, he, this guy is known to work, work. Like this is this is a confirmed account. This guy really works at Rockstar. Um, I guess he's one of the uh, for the Grand Theft Auto games. He's one of the the uh, radio station producers. Um, but yeah, so they are due because yeah, it's been a couple years since GTA Five came out, so they are due for another game like next year. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? I forgot. This weekend, it's the Video Game Awards, I think. Oh. Oh, you know what? Bill, don't get wound up for that. No, it's just not because, happen. well, if you're going to announce that this weekend, that's not that much of a tease just to come out like those the, the set, like in the weekend before and kind of go, huh? 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 I would be, I'm willing to be shocked, but I would be surprised if they, their marketing machine. Do you want to put a bet on it? Would. No, yeah. because... What? Okay. okay, okay, here's our bet. I bet one Lazy Boy chair that's <laughs> that's Red Dead Redemption nope. 2, you can bet me a Marty McFly DeLorean. <laughs> nope. <laughs> They're worth about the same. Nope, nope. Oh, man, uh, I really don't want to make Red Dead Redemption. Shit. Okay. Man, I, that would be nice. That would go down smooth right about now. Yeah! Ugh. She, because you know what, I don't, I don't have enough open world loneliness simulators right exactly, now. I exactly. need another one. <laughs> oh, oh boy, uh, Bill's next note in, here in Geek Week review is "Girl Reached Pluto." Annie, yeah, give us the details. Is this related to Nobby Nobby yes. Boy? Is that what this, this is? This is the name from a new band, "Girl Reached Pluto." <laughs> you make her come so hard, she she rockets out of the house like Roger <sighs> Rabbit after he drinks booze. Um, uh, no, great. Yeah, this is this is Nobi Nobi Boy. Um, I, what, didn't that game come out like eight years ago? It was not recent. Yeah, it was not recent. It was also not sold very well before people bought that game. So the whole yeah, the whole gist of Nobi Nobi Boy is that you're playing as this little boy who walks around and eats things, and the more he eats things, like the longer his girlfriend in space gets. And so the idea is that. The designers of the game made it so that, like, she would have to become a, the realistic length, be, like, to reach Earth 
to like the moon, which is what, like 45 million miles or whatever it is. So she would have to become 45 million miles to reach the moon and then go on from there to other planets and stuff like that. But that was kind of designed around the, the idea of a certain number of people playing the game to make that actually happen over time. Turns out only three people bought the game, so they had to keep on dropping in multipliers into the game. <laughs> so, like, when you would, like, add length to girl, instead of her just, like, getting an extra, like, ten feet, she would get, like, three quarters of a million feet instead. Um... So yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had to, essentially had to use these multipliers to essentially pretend that the fan base was like literally like thousands of times bigger than it actually was. And after constantly ramping up the multipliers in the game over the course of like the last six or seven years, she finally reached the last planet in the solar system, Pluto. Uh. So um, I don't know if it's a program for her to go anywhere else, but it sounds like Nobi Nobi Boy is kind of officially done now. Finally. After eight years and plenty of cheating, <laughs> um, she finally got her goal of getting out of the solar system. Let's see, nobody, Congratulations, nobody, darling. Nobody, nobody Boy came <sighs> out in, oh, it was seven years ago. It was 2009. Oh, wait, it's not 2016 yet. I was going to say, six wait. Six years ago. I was going to say, that seems like too long. But even then, even six years seems crazy to me. Yeah, goddamn. Yeah, oof, that game did badly. That was a, That was not a fun game. Yeah, I vaguely remember looking at it and barely understanding what was fun about it. Yeah, because it. it was more kind of like, not even interesting. It really wasn't. There's nothing good about it, actually. There are some games that just feel more like work. And, and that, that, was that game that was more like work. Yeah, and even to get the game to work properly just was just so obtuse and opaque. It's just, yeah. Anywho, what else? Uh, there's some kind of secret disarmament metagame going on in Metal Gear Solid 5 right now. Something's supposed to happen in the game if everyone on a specific platform and server disarms their nukes and some other secret criteria are met according to Konami. Yeah, I guess they don't have what's-his-face around to talk about this stuff or drop clues. Um, with Kojima. <laughs> that's true, actually. That's a good Because, yeah, yeah, normally it would be Kojima on Twitter saying, oh, you know, this week, if you do this, maybe this will happen. Now, Kotaku has to, or Konami has to put out press releases saying, hey, guys, this asshole we fired did something special in the game. If you do this, this will happen. Um, but they, they, they just dropped a hint saying, so there's part of the game is, like, once you get towards the end of the game, you could start developing nukes for your secret base. And, yeah, something about how... Yeah, if, like, of all the PlayStation 4 players in North America, like, stop development of those nukes, and then other secret stuff happens, some kind of crazy thing is supposed to happen in the game. No one knows what it is, if it's supposed to be just, like, a holiday-specific thing. Uh, who knows if it's actually supposed to, like, benefit anyone playing the game, or if it's just going to be suddenly gets, everyone gets Santa hats for a couple weeks or what, but... Right. Um, that is kind of one of the more interesting things about, like, the multiplayer part of that game being so tied into the single-player stuff, is they could kind of do this, where, this thing where everyone has to, even if they're not playing against each other online, that, like, they have to do, like, if their game is reporting into the servers, they have to do something, and everyone has to do the, this one thing in order for it to work. Um, although I would wonder if it's more of a percentage thing, because I can't imagine they would make it so that, like, all, like, 150,000 people on this one server have to do this if one person fucks it up. Because no way in hell that's ever going to work, but I don't know. Hmm. That's kind of, I don't know, Just I thought it was kind of a cool meta game. Sure. Oh, Annie is bored. 
<laughs> at a certain God. point, uh, if everybody just buys this uh, $5 DLC and disarms their nukes... That's a good point, yeah. Then, yeah. You yeah. get a $5 coupon for Konami's next game. <laughs> exactly. Uh, a mobile title. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's only for whatever... What is it? Like, <laughs> NVIDIA or something oh, like God. that. Um, uh, Don Blues canceled his Dragon Slayer Kickstarter with only half of its $500,000 goal raised and moved the campaign over to Indiegogo with a promise of a revamped campaign that'll feature more rewards and tiers requested by fans. Yeah, it sounds like it wasn't going Bill that notes, well. Not reaching his goal aside, Bill wonders if Bluth may have moved away from Kickstarter since Kickstarter seems to be throwing all of its weight behind the MST3K Kickstarter. Yeah, every time you go to Kickstarter now, the front page is nothing but it's just a big splash image of Mystery Science Theater saying, hey, let's fund Mystery Science Theater 3000. Um, seems to be a bad time. I mean, granted, like, you know, you could just link directly to other people's Kickstarters, but every time you go to, like, the landing page, kickstarter.com, it's just Mystery Science Theater. Because usually they rotate in other projects throughout, you know, like, every week there's going to be, like, a bunch of different projects they're talking about. Like, they'll actually flash animate through different things. This week, it's just, like, a static Mystery Science Theater 3000. Donate to this. That's it. Um, so. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it, it behooves Kickstarter to highlight successful projects. <laughs> Not just you one know? successful project. Yeah, so it's... So it's, I say that the second thing that's on rotation is uh, the Maya Angelou documentary, which has 50 hours to go and needs $40,000, pretty much, so... Oh, is it Man, actually rotating I, in other things? Because for me, it's just showing the Mystery Science Theater thing. Well, I'm clicking through to the other... Oh, see, the oh other fuck that. Banners. That takes work. <laughs> um, uh... Yeah, but it behooves them to feature things that are exciting yeah. and like cool, as opposed to. We're talking know, about dragons. Dragons Lair isn't Alex. exciting and cool. Man, I I watched the. I had missed. I had not watched the video for that until I saw an article about this and how they canceled one or moving to the other. So I finally watched the video for their Kickstarter, and I didn't realize that it opens with like a minute and a half of trailers of all the other Don Bluth mm-hmm. movies. I was like, oh my, man, I couldn't even sit through it beyond uh, that. I was just huh? like, There's a reason me? why they're not. I mean, other than the basic idea aside that they want half a million dollars to make a pitch video to maybe show to uh, fucking film people to maybe get a Dragon Slayer movie made. Um, yeah, just the, the way they're positioning it is not good. Just weird, it's weird choice. Dragon Slayer. We already talked about this, but like, it's not a narrative thing. It wasn't even a good game, and it wasn't a good story. And, like, Don Bluth isn't... Oh, yeah. It's... Oh, wow. Don't want to shit talk Don Bluth, but it's not like he's known for making really great movies anyway. He's made some very pretty animated films, but shit. Yeah, he definitely... He was part of a different movement in animation in a time when it was only the Disney story. Yeah, exactly. And now, yeah, the democratization of animation has kind of made Don Bluth a lot less essential. Um, Yeah. uh, Did he do Rocket uh, Noodle? He did do Rocket That was a good one, yeah. right? Well, did he? Wait, hold on. I say that. What? I feel like you might get yeah, suit for liable. <laughs> uh, yes, he did do Rocket That was Doodle. a good one, right? <laughs> Define good. Because I know people love <laughs> Rocket. People, people come up and be like, you know, Anastasia was good. Rocket Dude, I will I will openly say that I Anastasia was very important to me at the time. It is not a good movie, and I would qualify Rockadoodle in that same bucket. <laughs> Which is better, Pirates of Penzance or Rockadoodle? Pirates of Penzance. Which one is better, Rocker? Cats Don't Dance care. or ro- or Rockadoodle? <laughs> Cats Don't Dance, you ass. <laughs> 
I'm just saying. Phil, which one's better? Land Before Time or The Iron Giant? I've never seen a Land Before Time movie. Did you know there's like 13 of those? There are. I wonder. Th- there were 13 at last count. I wonder how many there I are I think now, last I heard, I think the 13th is coming out for like this Christmas. <laughs> which is nuts. Oh, dear Lord. I mean, if they just, you know, people which one? keep. It's not like. There is one. 14. 14 is coming out in 2016. They're back. Last one. A Dinosaur's Tale. 13 was in 2007. That's crazy. They're back at Dinosaur's Tale. That's not the same thing as Land Before Time, right? No, they're very different. Did you know very that different. they had a balloon based off of that and, and the dinosaur's face crashed into a telephone pole and exploded at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? I saw video Really? I did not week. know that. Yeah, his face exploded. <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, what are we talking about? Uh, Gabe Newell is investing in sous vide hardware. I'm bad at French. Sous-vide. And explain to me what this is. <laughs> Uh, this is the stuff where you cook food in lukewarm water, Bill notes, for, like, 20 days. I have heard of vaguely, yeah, have you heard about this before, before even, like, me mentioning this on the show notes? I knew that it was some sort of immersion cooking Yeah, thing, that's, right? you know essentially all I know about that now, too, where, yeah, you take food, and you just kind of make it warm for, like, for a long time, and suddenly that's supposed to make it cook. Which is weird to think you could cook a steak. By, like, just making it 60 degrees for two years. I love this article has the phrase, um, it will likely become a competitor in the hot Kickstarter-friendly immersion circulator market. Which is just, what? <laughs> yeah. So this really sounds like like you could cook a steak by putting in the warm sun if you could just make it so the sun never set and just cook, like, the sunlight just stayed on the steak for, like, like six months. Supposedly, it's supposed to make, like, the juiciest steak because, like, there's no, like, hard heat on the food. You press a few buttons on your phone, and once it is placed inside a pot of water, presumably the device, it lights up briefly and hums as it swiftly heats up the water and food. It's so quiet, it cannot be heard above normal one-on-one conversations. So it's like when you make, like, frozen chicken a la king, but that's what you're doing to all food. Wow, crazy. This is what Gabe Knowles investing in. Like, he got, like, it's like he got halfway through. He loves hardware. He's a hardware man. He got halfway (laughs) through the Steam Machine development, got bored and distracted by sous vide. We can blame the sous vide stuff that he's getting into (laughs) for the failure of Steam Machine. This is a much much easier proposition than the Steam Machine. It's actually a pretty cute article. I'll link to it in the show notes. But he got into it because, like, these sous vide people were, like, doing something at, like, I think it was, like like, a science fair that his son was part of. And he was like, oh, hey, I can see, like, your hardware that you're developing for this, like, immersion food stuff is actually not dissimilar to how you you develop hardware for video games. Let's talk. And so now he's suddenly, like, really into this, like, immersion cooking food tech. He's, like, actually one of the big mm-hmm. movers and shakers now in that industry, which is really weird to see. So. Weird. Because he's got money. It's also a guy who just loves to collect knives for no reason, too. So Gabe Newell's kind of <laughs> a little bit of a space cadet, but, yeah. Anyway. Ecto Cooler is coming back. Coke re-registered the trademark for it back in September. Maybe in time to reintroduce it next summer for new Ghostbusters. So no super specific confirmation, but just the fact that they've re-registered their trademark, which I guess had lapsed forever. So maybe some Ecto Cooler. Did you ever drink Ecto Cooler back in the day? Nope. I was way too old for Ecto Cooler because what Ecto Cooler was like late 80s, early 90s. I was like 17 when that came out. Ecto Cooler was fucking good. It was sugar. It was one of those drinks 
where it was almost like if you just like drank the slush in a slurping machine before they injected into the ice, like the sugar syrup, if that was sold uh-huh. as a drink, it was fucking like you could almost take feel the grit of the sugar in the stuff because it was so full of sugar, like some of the sugar crystals couldn't even integrate back into the liquid. But it had kind of like, it was green and had like this fruity orange taste. Oh, uh, so man, Ecto Cooler was the shit. Man, I googled this and uh, I found that apparently one of the things that spread the news that this copyright copyright had been uh, brought back again was uh, the news was spread by the Resurrect Ecto Cooler. Oh no, maybe they're trying to make a self fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> oh Lord. god, someone's made Ecto Cooler candles on Etsy. Woof. Oh man, Ecto Cool. It also had great packaging because it was like very just like bright orange, green, yellow kind of like buckle like at Slimer on it. And Slimer was well, fuck Slimer, but man, Ecto Cooler was the shit. Ecto Cooler was good. That's one of the things like I'm not, I wasn't a 90s kid, but I can totally get together with 90s kids and we could like, I will sit down and watch fucking Rockadoodle while drinking Ecto Cooler <laughs> with kids. Is all I'm saying. I didn't know it was part of the cartoon show. Like, it was literally a tie-in for the cartoon yeah, show. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Knowing if it came out in the 80s, it's entirely possible there's a whole episode where the Ghostbusters talk about how good Echo Cooler <laughs> is. But, yeah. Apparently, it was available until 2001. Yeah, and though the show was canceled in 1991. This is crazy. And people still try to make, like, there's homebrew Ecto Cooler recipes. You could, that's how addicted. Yeah, because, the, the, yeah, the, the, it's it's funny how the drink far outlasted the actual cartoon. It's just, ugh. Gross. Culture is I know, but it's also kind of <laughs> great at the same time, man. Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Just Gross. thinking Burn about that all. shit is just... Burn it all down. Oh, just the feel of it in your mouth. Man, you know what actually would be a fun afternoon to go back and relive the 90s, watch Jurassic Park, drink Ecto Cooler, God, fucking no. No. shave your pubes Stop. off. I would go, I would go away forever. <laughs> just turning off the computer. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't cast stones. I remember going to the Otter Pops fan site back in the day to complain about the uh, change in recipe. But dude, I then reached what puberty. What was the and change in recipe in Otter Pops? Uh, the company that owns Freezy, Free, what was it called? Freeze, freezer Pops. Or yeah. Is. The other type bought Otter Pops, and now they're pretty much the same formula. Oh no, because Otter Pops, no, Otter Pops were the, the shit. They are no longer. What was your favorite friend. Otter Pop for a long time? I liked the green. I liked what was his name? Lime. Yeah. Sir Isaac Lime. <laughs> Sir Isaac Lime, I believe his okay, name Okay, here's was. another question. This seems to be something I keep on seeing starting fights with between people on, on Twitter. Uh, the best Starburst flavor. I have no opinion in the Starburst flavor. Really? Because I see people like shit-talking orange and red, and those are the best. Yeah, orange and red are really good. I like me a pink. I like me a yellow. I, I like all the Starburst. Yeah, flavors. there's not really, really like objectively terrible Starburst. It's not like black licorice Starburst got snuck in there. Anything, yeah, but exactly. Anywho, uh, cool new Force Awakens posters are starting to appear in muse, uh, movie theaters. And excuse me, I left out a keyword: cool new retro Force Awakens posters. Yeah, and these are pretty cool. They're designed to look like something not unlike the original uh, era of the original Star Wars movies. Yeah, it's, it's they cute. pretty much are the the original. Uh, before the uh, the first Star Wars movie came out, uh, they had these teaser posters, uh, the original uh, one of which said, Coming to your galaxy this summer, with the Star Wars logo at the bottom, 
Uh, this new one just says coming to your galaxy this winter with the Star Wars Force Awakens oh, logo. Oh, that's cute. The only... I just Googled the original one. That's really cute. The other one, again, it just says a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away with the Star Wars logo, but now this time it just says... It's, it's that essentially the same poster except it says the words The Force Awakens between the words Star Wars. And instead of like starts instead of starts May twenty fifth at the bottom, it says starts December eighteenth. But yeah, of all the Star Wars posters I've seen for the new one, those are the two posters I'd like to get my hands on. Um, this is really cute. the The slug at the bottom of the "Coming to the Galaxy Your Galaxy This Summer" poster uh-huh. says, "George Lucas, the man who brought you American Graffiti, now brings you an adventure as big as the cosmos itself. Mm-hmm. Star Wars: The Story of a Boy, a Girl, and a Universe. It's a spectacle light years ahead of its time from 20th Century Fox." It's very cute. Yeah, <laughs> such cute. The marketing copy. for Star Wars before Star Wars came out is very cute because it's just kind of like, yeah, like you like space, right? Space is cool. A boy, a girl. Yeah. And a universe. That's real good. You're not wrong. That's real good. Boy, a girl, and a shared womb. <laughs> a womb of verse. Yeah. There we go. Game facts. Favorite game choosing tool. Oh, I forgot to actually add context to this. Uh, game facts is having a thing right now where they're trying to get everyone to decide what the best games of all time are. And so, mm-hmm. in order to figure this out, someone created a tool. That if you answer a bunch of yes or no questions, essentially what it says, it will present you with two different games. You click on the one that you like better, and you keep on doing that until the the test stops. And it will tell you at the end what your top, I think it's top 50 favorite games are. What your favorite 50 games are. And like essentially it's a void conf test, except instead of finding out if you're human or not, tells you what your favorite games are. Like ranking mm-hmm. them in order. And, uh, well, let's see, where's mine? This is going to be a good part of the podcast. <laughs> uh, my good. list is number one, Mass Effect 2. Number two, The World Ends With You. Number three, Super Mario 64. Number four, Uncharted. Number four, The Walking Dead. I think their numbering system's a little fucked up. Number six is Fallout 3. Well, that would mean that it tied. Yeah, it tied, yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, uh, Tied at number 7 is Fire Emblem Awakening and Super Mario Maker. Number 9 is Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And tied for 10th place, a four-way tie for what purports to be Bill Mudron's favorite games of all time. Uh, The the four-way 10th tie is Final Fantasy IV, Metal Gear Solid V, Dark Souls, and Zelda Majora's Mask. Which, I do like those games. I don't know if necessarily order them in that ranking. But Mass Effect 2 is my favorite game of all time. I wouldn't necessarily say yeah, but it's not necessarily... I, that, that would not be the worst choice for my favorite game of all time. So it's not necessarily off the mark. And at least groups together your favorite games. Assume- yeah, I, tr- I tried to start... I tried to start taking this thing, and then I saw that after, like, 100 questions, I was only 15% through, and I was like, goodbye. It took me about an hour and a half to get through it. Well, especially if your tastes are finicky <sighs> enough. I think if you just, like, click, like, Zelda enough times, it just assumes that you'll like Zelda. And you'll go through the test pretty quickly. But if you're like, I love Final Fantasy IV, but I hate Final Fantasy VII, it gets confused. And it makes you take a lot more choices. God. So. God. And I hadn't played, like, half of these games anyway. That's the so other thing. Like, or, like, half of, like, well, there's the, that's when you click the thing in the middle where it says, like, I care about these games equally. So. Yeah. But I feel like disingenuous when it's like, yeah, sure, I have an opinion about Resident Evil 2. Yeah, keep on, keep on forcing Resident Evil 2 on me. It must be popular for other people because there's some games that's like, are you sure you don't love the first Portal? 
we have the first portal here. I, li- I like the first <laughs> portal, but it's like, calm the fuck down, game. It's like, okay, I get it. Uh, this holiday gaming season comes to a close, sort of, with the release of Just Cause 3 this Tuesday. It always feels weird, because, like, it's always my birthday week, too, is the <laughs> week where the last big video game releases of the year come out, which is funny, too, because it's still, like, a month before Christmas. Uh, you think there'd still be another, a few extra couple games tinkering, like, you know, slinking in through the rest of December, but nope, it's always, like, the week after Thanksgiving is, like, when the last big games come out. It's we- Oh, no, no actually, I was about to say, usually it's weird... Because Nintendo usually has a big game that comes out almost like right on my birthday, and I forgot they actually do have. It's not just Just Cause Three this week, but there's a big Xenoblade Chronicles X for the Wii U. I guess mm-hmm. comes out this mm-hmm. Friday. Um, I don't care about too much about that, but in the past of like this is when like Animal Crossing would come out for like the DS or something. Um, so monkey pants, monkey pants indeed. Do you care about Just Cause Three? Uh, I'm intrigued by it. A friend of mine uh, was uh, on the development team, so I'll probably buy it just to, uh, for my... Oh, wait, Josie is this Hannah Groff? No. No, wait, who is it? My friend Josie. Josie! Worked on, worked on, uh, uh, um, Just Cause well, She's the one, they only hired her because she has, like, the, the mutant claw hand. That's a real good joke. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I, yeah, just, just cause three is not my sort of game, really, generally speaking. You mean speaking. fun? But, uh, fun. But having said that, I will probably buy it. It's. I, I, I was really pretty surprised at how fun just cause two was because you really just do walk around and just blow stuff up and not just blow stuff. It's not like just like shooting. Fun. It's not power fantasy, but the fact that you like you can like hook a goat to an airplane and make the airplane take off and the goat has to go fly with it. Just stupid shit like yeah, that. Yeah, it seems like a crazy systems game that's just like a fun sandbox in the most literal sense. Yeah, you know? so just from that perspective, and I have not looked up anything on Just Cause 3 because I keep on people, hearing people talk about Just Cause 3, like, about shit like that, like, oh man, did you know in Just Cause 3 you can duct tape a, a, a cow to a windmill and sling it from, like, one end of the map to the other. I'm just like, you know what? I'll find out that myself in the game when I play it. I'm, I'm, I'm a lock-in for buying Just Cause 3. I'll just find it myself naturally. I don't need it to be hyped. Yeah, it's it's also weird for people to, like... It's funny when you hear a heated story about systems, because it's sort of a spoiler, but it's also not a spoiler, because yeah. the likelihood of you having those exact same things happen in the exact same sequence is so unlikely. Yeah, because it's fun to run across stuff like that where... That moment of discovery when you're a game full of, like, yeah, gameplay systems like that, and you go, I wonder if I could take that thing and combine it with this and see what happens, and, like, part of the joy is finding, like, oh, you can actually do that thing. And then maybe you can run off and tell other people, but, yeah, you don't want to find out about it, like, six months in advance, and that's, like, part of the marketing where it's, like, when you finally play the game, you're like, oh, okay, you already know everything you can kind of do. You can still do it, and that can be fun, but that joy of discovery is no longer there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll get it. Cause. You can borrow it when I'm There's done. There's a beautiful purity to Just Cause, like the Just Cause games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, here's a giant place, go blow it just up. Just Cause 2 had a bunch of Lost jokes, too, because that came out right at the height of, like, a uh, Lost Fever. So there was, like, oh. crashed planes and, like, the Lost Hatch was in the forest and stuff. It's also a giant world. Just Cause games have had, at least Just Cause... Two and I think Just Cause 3's world may be just only about as big as Just Cause 2, but still like one of the biggest uh, video game worlds on consoles out there too. Which yeah, nice. I saw somewhere that it's 30 square miles. Yeah, it's it's which do, actually from it doesn't sound like that big 
But once you're actually in the game world, it can be like, yeah, like. I think Fallout 4 is 15 square miles, and it okay. seems impossibly huge, yeah. you know? Although, like, so in Just Cause, imagine. you can steal, like, passenger jets and stuff, so you can get across that world pretty. <laughs> like, it's it's nice for it to be that big, because if you have, like, fast ships like that, it's nice to have some extra room to run around in them with, so. Yeah. And Bill closes out with the great holiday baking show starting tomorrow night. Wow. Yeah, so I just heard about this. Uh, this is what I subscribe to Entertainment Weekly for because I get surprised <laughs> while I'm on the shitter like this. Um, Yeah, tomorrow night, uh, as we're recording this, this is Sunday. Uh, oh, my God. What is? It's the 29th. It's, the tw- it's November 29th. Today is also the birthday of not not only Louisa May Alcott, but but Josephine March, a heroine from Oh, um, yay! Let's throw a little birthday party for her. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, uh, as we're recording uh, tomorrow on November thirtieth here in America, uh, they're gonna start a four part mini series called the Great Holiday Baking Show, hosted by Mary Berry who is also one of the co-hosts of the Great British Baking Show. Um, turns out that this is going to be airing on ABC here in the States tomorrow night at, I think it's 10 p.m. and 10 p.m. 9 central uh, here in the States, like late night. It's weird that they're airing it so late at night. Um, but it's this is uh, America's second attempt at anglicizing or Americanizing the Great British Baking Show. Uh, I guess they tried a couple years ago with uh, Paul Hollywood. Um... I forget what it was called, but it was essentially the same format, but they leaned really hard on the, the competitive angle. They were trying to make it more of, like, a Western or American, like, I'm not here to make friends kind of thing, and the show only lasted for, like, two, literally, like, two episodes. But I guess for that first version of an American remake of The Great British Bake Off, uh, yeah, so it was Paul Hollywood and Jeff Foxworthy. Yeah. And, if, and, and uh, for the couple clips I've seen on YouTube, of course... Paul Hollywood and Jeff Foxworthy have no fucking chemistry. You're kind of surprised they even looked at each other on set. Um, so I guess this is America's second take at trying to port the Great British Baking Show over. Yeah, just as a four-episode miniseries, uh, it's um, holiday-themed, hence why it's being called the Great Holiday Baking Show. And I think it is a competition again, and I've seen a couple of the ads, and the ads are a little more like, hey, it's cute. It's fun. It's tr- it sounds like they're trying to make it more like the actual Great British Bake Off. Uh, there's no pop- sure, which is perfect for a seasonal show. Yeah, exactly. Too. too. You know? That's the other thing. Um, I don't know if they're like filming it. I haven't. I haven't actually seen any excerpts. They're playing up the fact that the original show is filmed in a tent and like you know like an English country villa. I don't know if they actually yeah. did the same thing for this or if maybe they filmed this in like in, a, in the middle of like an American farm. Or something like that. I don't know what the actual format is, but it's Mary Berry and three other judges this time. Uh, no Paul Hollywood, because I guess after it's it's funny that like so the first attempt they brought over Paul Hollywood, the second attempt they bring over Mary Berry. This is probably gonna fail too, and they're eventually gonna have to say, you know what? Why don't we get the actual host from the show that we're copying both of them together? And you know, it's it's yeah. Well, this is crazy. The article I'm looking at says that the Great British Bake Off season four. Uh, finale aired earlier this month became the most watched TV program of the year with an average audience of 13.4 million people and a peak audience of 14.5 Se- million. Season four? Like where? It says season six. Oh, season six. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's the one yeah. that just wrapped up. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, but I'm, I'm, it's crazy that that is the most watched TV program this year. That's crazy. Yeah. Also, it's crazy that 13.4 million people is, or that 14.5 million is the most watched Isn't TV like show. Isn't that that's twice as many people as live in England altogether? I mean, entirely. <laughs> well, I mean, granted, it's a show that's shown all over Europe too. Um, but yeah, so yeah, if 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 you'd like to check out the Great British Bake Off and want to see and eat like easily try and kind of check out to see what kind of vibe it is it sounds like this great british a uh, great holiday baking show tomorrow night monday night uh and i guess going for the next four weeks up until christmas man if christmas is that close jesus christ what's interesting is that the host of the show is the lady from my big fat greek wedding what is it yeah, the thing where and her husband is it two hosts is it oh so, okay so it's the two hosts and they have the two judges so it really is yeah, it's the same thing. Okay, except they've traded up Polly Hollywood. So it's it's the same formula, except they got rid of Paul Hollywood, replaced them with someone else, and instead of Sue Perkins and... Yeah, it's, it's what's her name? Nia Verdalos and her husband, Ian Gomez. That'd be interesting. That could work. We'll see. We'll, we'll watch oh, it tomorrow night. Um, yeah. They'll give me a reason to find my antenna for my television. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, actually, that's the... Instead of watching a movie on, on Thanksgiving, me, Dylan, and Katie, we watched... Um, they uh, had just gotten to the finale of last year's Great British Bake Off, the season five, uh, the one you know with Chetna and those guys. Uh, we watched mm-hmm. that, and then we rolled back to the f- uh, first two episodes of the fourth season, and that's the one with Ruby. Mm-hmm. And man, it's great how much everyone ha- like. Oh man, they hate Ruby. <laughs> And, like, and then Bihar came home and was watching with us too and Bihar hates Ruby and all was all night talking talking about everyone wants to punch Ruby in the face and but how much everyone wants to stup Kimberly the cool black lady from that season and I can't remember anyone from Big Off except for the last this, season yeah this is series 4 and they're not wrong because Kimberly was awesome she was she was definitely my favorite that, that season but yeah so we just watched a bunch of Big Off that night it was good Actually, Thanksgiving and Bake Off goes really well because it's all food. They do. It's very food-oriented. Yeah. So you're digesting five pounds of food in your belly while watching more well, cakes Well, it's not just stuff. that it's food-oriented. It's like all... It's also that it's all kind and it's about loving families yeah. and, like, you know. So... It's very uh, rosy-cheeked. Mm-hmm. So, it was yeah. good. Oh, boy. That's Friends, sad. as always, this was our uh, uh, garbage podcast, the Boy Honey Podcast. Thank you so much <laughs> for listening to us um, uh, uh, enthuse about Bake Off once more. We're uh, Boy Honey Podcast on Twitter. Uh, boy, uh, excuse me. Uh, what is our URL? Fuck. Boyhoudypodcast.com is our website. Something. Uh, Bill, as he keeps alluding to, is in another podcast called Tardy to the Party at tardypodcast.com. Oh, Andy knows that so much or better at- than I do. Jesus. <laughs> and uh we will ba- be back next week i will just point it out next saturday is our dear friend mr bill mudrin's birthday Woo! so make sure you you at mudrin uh m-u-d-r-o-n send him your well wishes if and, you know uh, that's totally uh, fine too because like i said I, i'm not i like i mean i like my birthday and i like presents but i'm not much for attention on my birthday it's not like <laughs> i dislike attention on my birthday but like Man, I wish I could time travel back to a kid when my birthday meant, like, getting a new Nintendo game. It's so sad. Yeah. That's so sad when that was kind of, like, in retrospect, that was a highlight of my birthdays in my life. Sure. Not that yeah. I, I enjoy hanging out with people. That, well, that's a total slide, because you're coming to my birthday dinner on Saturday. <laughs> but you know what <laughs> I mean? But in terms like... of, like, how, when you get older, how birthdays change. And when, like, you're a kid, birthday, that is, like, the next best thing to Christmas. 
Well, exactly. Like, birthdays are all about, when you're a kid, they're all about anticipating something yeah. that is unique. And when you're an adult and you just buy yourself the garbage that you want and, uh, you know, you hang out with people all the time, it's like, all of a sudden it's like, well, it's just another day in which someone will probably give me something I don't want. Uh, to remind me of how old I yeah. am and how my body is, well, you know, falling apart. That's one of the things, too, and, I was uh, thinking about going to Disneyland for my uh, birthday this year, because it's my 40th. I'm turning 40 on Saturday, and I was going to do something special, but that didn't work out for a couple of different reasons. And part of me is like, oh, man, I should have done something special for my 40th. And I'm like, looking back at all the shit I've bought for myself this fall, I'm like, I've been slowly spent, like, celebrating my own birthday for like four months now, I am not well, sad at all. Your birthday present was that goddamn Millennium Falcon model. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and actually, I just got new hull parts like two days ago. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. And then I'm gonna get parts for that for the next two years. So I'm celebrating my 40th over the course of two years. So I cannot complain. Yeah, exactly. So I love myself. <laughs> I do good stuff. I love my birthday. It's coming up. It's always a good time. It's always fun to hang out with people. That's and that's the thing. Like. I can feel a little kid version of myself dying inside when I say my favorite part of my birthdays now is hanging out with people. Because that sounds like such an old-timey, adult, washed-up bullshit thing to say. But it's nice mm -hmm. to hang out with people. It's good. Yeah. And, like, well, then again, if, if little kid me knew that, I'd, like, I could just casually drop, like, $1,500 on a Millennium Falcon model, I'd be like... <laughs> oh, my God. You haven't... You, you, you're living the life. And I'm like, not living the life. <laughs> But I did gift myself something pretty fucking. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So anyway, that's the end. Well, Bill, I love you, and I'm excited about International Bill Mudrin Day, yeah. and all of our dear December listeners 5th, should too. Also, Walt Disney's birthday. Until then, celebrate what's left of Foley's birthday, and also <laughs> Joe Marsh's birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good time of year for swell folks. Annie's birthday's saying. coming up. Gotta start. Planning. How old are you gonna be in, in February? I'm going to be 33. Oh, man. Oh, you're older and wiser than Jesus. I'm either 33 or 32. I can't. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. How do you not know? <laughs> Wait, you were born in 84, right? So you're going to be 32. Uh, okay, excuse me. I'll be 32. See, I can't even fucking remember. Oh I don't know. Who cares? No one can buy me anything that I want. So why bother? Unless we start a Kickstarter <laughs> for your goddamn chair. Nope. Nope. Really, dumbass? See, part of, really? part of the recliner thing, part of my recliner thing is that really, at the end of the day, I just like anticipating things. I know. Nothing's going to be quite things. as sweet as, like, even when you get it, it wouldn't be quite as great as the anticipation. Which is one of the reasons why I'm delighted that I'm enjoying Fallout 4 so much, because a huge part of Fallout 4 was just looking forward to Fallout 4 yeah. and thinking about Fallout 4. So that is the same thing with Dragon Age Inquisition. It's one of those things where it's like, just... Thinking about that, just putting that in your mouth and rolling I mean, it around is worth how it. How do I buy myself a Ghostbusters HQ when I know that would pay for half of your chair? Don't do it. No. Bad. This is like... If, if anyone actually gives contributes money to that recliner, I will fucking turn around and donate that money to, like, fucking scoliosis research Annie, or something. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sell... Mm -hmm. Wait, how do we do... What's the what's the story where the people buy each other shit and wreck each other shit for Christmas? <laughs> Gift to the Magi. Gift to the Magi. <laughs> Annie, you could sell if you sell all your Legos to get me a Ghostbusters HQ, and I sell all my <laughs> chairs to get you a chair. Wait, does that work? <laughs> or no, you you sell all your floors to get me a Ghostbusters <laughs> HQ, and then I sell my glass IKEA cases that I use to display Lego 
to buy your chair, and then you don't have a floor to for your chair, and then I don't have a glass display case for Lego uh, uh, HQ, and then we kill each other. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> and with that, good night, friends. I'll see you guys later. Go, go leave a positive review for this podcast at SwissColony.com. <laughs> go to the Swiss Colony Gaming Catalog and just be like, you know what? We heard about this. The Boy Howdy Catalog. Actually, if we could get some sponsorship on the Swiss Colony Catalog, that'd be amazing. Man, if there would ever be someone who should sponsor us for how many times we name drop them, it should be the Swiss We did rave quite a bit about that Forest Friends log last year. We could, that, that could be proof that we, like, we talk legitimately good about their products. We, we did do a live taste testing. <laughs> the end. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.